1: out vote. If you're an American, do it. Make make our voice heard. Gamers need to be heard. So get out there and vote. Be a geek who speaks. But let's entertain you. Maybe you're waiting in line. We're going to be with you for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be. And that's completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Squarespace, and Mac. Well, then. They made that possible, bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games in their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spell with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who joins me in hoping that this is not our last DLC, Mr. Christian Spicer. Christian, I don't want to have to flee the country. <laughs> How are
2: you? I'm doing well. I thought I, I was like, no, 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 Jeff. My album recording in San Diego is next Tuesday. Oh, not tomorrow. Oh, that's the big day. Yeah, that's the thinking? big day. It's the fifteenth. Uh-huh. It's in San Diego at La Stat. So I'm recording this my next Tuesday.
1: A minor footnote in history, but your your comedy show recording next right. Tuesday.
2: I mean, nothing will happen this Tuesday. It's like we've had right. presidents before, but I've only this. This will only be my first, second second stand-up
1: album. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm excited for you, and I'm excited for us. If, if this is to be truly our last DLC, which it's not, but if it is, we will go out with a bang because we got ourselves an awesome guest. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week I'm excited because DLC stands for Decidedly Large Combustibles, because from Giant Bomb, we have the original Giant Bomb himself, Mr. Jeff Gerstman. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how's it
3: going? Also two N's, one T.
1: That's right. Oh, no. (laughs) People this week. You're lucky. We have double your recommended weekly allowance of Jeff on this show. So that's
3: right. (laughs) It's illegal. It's against the law. After the after the election, they'll put a stop to stuff like this. I'm sure.
1: Exactly. Yeah. They're bigger fish to fry right now. But yeah, uh, we're getting it right under the wire, right under the wire. Uh, very excited to have you, Jeff. Um, we got a big, big show. We got some bonus content coming at the end of the show. I had some interviews at BlizzCon this week. Mm-hmm. I went to both BlizzCon and Unity 2016, so I'm going to be talking about that. We got Call of Duty to talk about. We got big news. So let's get right to it and start with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week, and you can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter, that's DLC SOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, which you can find at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool group of folks over there to hang out with and talk about the show. Uh, Jeff, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories, so what would you consider to be your Story of the Week?
3: Oh, gosh. Uh, my story of the week. Well, it would probably be the thing I've been focusing on the most lately has been the PlayStation 4 Pro.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually have your hands on one. Is that right?
3: Uh, Yeah, yeah. We've been uh, we've been sitting on one for a little bit here, uh, putting it through its paces. But, you know, as luck would have it, our 4K TV is still on order. So it's been... <laughs> i know it's been a lot of time uh you know waiting for that to show up should be here within the next week but also hooking this thing up and and i think it's it's interesting to see what a pro will do hooked up to a 1080p tv because i think that's probably going to be the more likely scenario for most users out there it's like you know 4k is still getting out there it hasn't gotten out there Mm -hmm. yeah it Um, sounds
1: like uh, most of the games that are being patched to support the ps4 pro have multiple options right they have the Uh, up-res to 4K option, or they have the, hey, I'm still playing at 1080p, but Give me some more whiz bang, uh, you know, graphical stuff. Either yeah. higher frame rate or or better effects, right?
3: Yeah, that's that's the idea. Um, but in <laughs> in practice, it's uh, I don't I don't know. You know, I've I've not run through every single game on the list. They they put out a, a list. The was the the UK blog for for Sony put out a pretty long list of games that'll either be getting patches or will be supported already. Um, for me, you know, since uh, I was in the middle of reviewing Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. And Modern Warfare Remastered, I kind of was doing a lot of back and forth, uh, playing it on a regular PS4 at home, playing it on a Pro at the office, and that sort of thing, playing some Titanfall here and there as well, looking at some other games. And it just doesn't seem like a huge leap.
1: Well, mine's arriving at the end of the week, so <laughs> you're kind of bursting my bubble here. So you, you really have don't the notice-
2: 4K TV, Kanata, and, and Jeff has the... PS4 Pro, like you guys almost can... uh... Right, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. almost there. Um, Yeah, so I I
3: think, I suspect, you know, when we start seeing stuff uh, on a 4K screen, and and most of these games are obviously not going to render natively at 4K, they're going to bump up above 1080 and, and then scale the rest of the way there, you know, some mix of the two or whatever they end up doing that'll probably be where it starts to make a difference. But I think, you know, that we've had a lot of our, our users certainly asking about, like, what's it going to do for 1080? And, and, yeah, you'll you'll see, like, oh, well, this game with dynamic resolution maybe doesn't have to scale down as frequently, so it theoretically looks better, but I'm not really noticing or feeling that. Uh, you know, yeah. a, a game like Titanfall is 60 frames per second anyway, so it's not like it's just like, hey, we're going to double your frames um but you know some of the stuff they're doing for hitman like like reading the descriptions of it it sounds good but having it for this past week before you know a lot of the patches have maybe hit and and kind of sitting on our hands waiting for a 4k screen it, it's just it well i'll say this you know you know that the library screen where as you buy more and more games digitally over the years it just becomes hundreds and hundreds of games and scrolling through it takes forever yeah. That seems to load faster. Sweet! <laughs> like as you, if you scroll, you can scroll really fast, and the names and images will pop in really quickly. So that SATA three uh, really do double like,
1: duty here that's like when i was a kid and i would get a new pc and the way that i would test how fast it was is i would go to a subdirectory that had a lot of files and i would do a dir yeah and it would see how fast the files scroll by it's <laughs> <was> like whoa <laughs>
3: yeah it is it was exactly that and, and honestly like there were a couple of us gathered around it doing that and and actually going like oh that actually that that's pretty good <laughs> um <laughs> But so far, the the games, at least at 1080, have not been a huge difference. You know, there, there yeah, you're you're right though. There are some games that are going to be like giving you options about what you want, whether you want like an ultra 1080 kind of rendered up thing, or if you want to go to 4K, or, or if you want better image quality, better frame rate, that sort of stuff. I think it's neat overall.
1: Have you tried any uh, uh, PSVR stuff with it?
3: No, no. That's, uh, that's, I've had the, we, we sent one of our headsets out to New York uh, so that our New York team could finally experience the magic. Um, mm-hmm. But I have kind of been waiting for some firmware updates for PSVR because it's just been a mess for me. I've been unable to get it working well at all. Um, and you know, like better image quality, and or you know the kind of super sampling in a sense of, of what they're doing right. with some of these games of, of giving you a higher res and downscaling it for the for the headset uh, sounds cool. But that's that's kind of next on the list uh, is to to kind of put those two things together and see how Battlezone looks. I think yeah. Battlezone has a patch out now. I think res they announced today that res was. Uh, gonna have pro support in it, so yeah, yeah. That, that yeah that's good.
1: the thing I'm most uh, most interested in on at least on day one, and then I think really the maybe the selling point will come as some of these games uh, that are a little later on come out. Like Horizon, looks like they're really taking advantage of it, and yeah. maybe the games that are, that are still baking will be able to to take more advantage of it than the games that are patched to take advantage of it. I'm at least I'm hopeful. For that.
2: I think the selling point of it is that it's just it's the best one like if you're going to buy like we're people that are listening to the show people that are buying consoles like enough people like i you know almost own two xbox one elite controllers why i don't know it's like it seemed like a good idea at the time yeah i was like oh it's it's 130 it's on sale (laughs) and i think for better or worse you know we go in there and we 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 buy the expensive tech or not even that i think the price point is okay for what you're getting with like it yeah. has the one terabyte and that's the the selling point it's, it's better how much better i don't know dude it's better <laughs>
3: it, yeah it, i totally agree like if you're on the in the market for a playstation 4 meaning you don't have one already i think this is and, and this is the one to get unless you're like in a, in a very price conscious situation and then I, th- I think the slim is actually like still a, a great value as well but but yeah you know if you're still thinking about which console to get like this is they've taken the most powerful console on the market and made it somewhat more powerful i think that's
2: that's not nothing
1: right yeah well i'm very i'm still excited to get mine did you pre-order one christian
2: no i i i did two vr headsets this year jeff i talked to you i am uh i am (laughs) done
1: (laughs) tapped out i got you um what is your story of the week christian
2: so I want to make sure I defer plenty of time to uh, BlizzCon because I think some cool stuff. Well, it wasn't a huge BlizzCon, so I want. But I also want to hit, quickly hit on, as we are live and recording this today, it's in seven day because everybody knows if you are a video game franchise that started in the PS3 and Xbox 360 era, you have a day that celebrates your game, and you know we already had um, Last of Us's Day, Outbreak Day. Gears of
1: Wars, uh, yeah, yeah inception uh, day or Emergence or
2: day. day and it's in seven day and they but the biggest thing for me that dropped, I guess it was at nine this morning Pacific was the new Andromeda trailer. I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to watch it. Mm-hmm. I think it is an awesome 2012 era um, inception soundtrack trailer. I think that <laughs> fans of Mass Effect are probably left going, what are you doing to my franchise? But it was a cool bombastic trailer.
1: Right? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think so far they've released two trailers. Two, I, I would classify them both as teasers, and uh, both of them seem to be saying, "Hey, it's more Mass Effect." There you really is this it. was more Mass Effect. I think this was boom, shoot stuff, shoot stuff, shoot stuff, boom. But there's not much meat there. I don't, I don't know. Um, what do you think, Jeff?
3: I, I think that yeah, it's it's hard to you know convey the quiet moments that are some of our I think people's favorite parts of the Mass Effect franchise in. A teaser trailer, but also, I, I honestly like after Mass Effect 3, I want a big departure from the th- previous games, and you know, so so having like this kind of over the top action thing, like maybe that signifies some of that, but I, I don't know, I, I have my doubts about that. But I, yeah, I, I think it it looks like a cool trailer, but I just feel like we still don't know enough one way or the other. Uh, I, Mass Effect 3 I, it left me feeling like they spent years building. This story and then didn't tie it off uh, particularly well. So, uh, yeah, when enough time has passed, the wounds have healed, but I, I want to see something dramatically different from those previous three Mass Effect games.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I do too. I, I'm, I think I'm an outlier generally in the community in the fact that I didn't really love any of the Mass Effect games. I played through all of them. I had fun, but they, didn't, they don't occupy a place in my heart that you know, a lot of people say that Mass Effect does. Um, I was always much more of a Dragon Age guy than a Mass Effect guy, but... You were a Dragon Age 2 guy. I remember, I think yeah. occasionally you still get a tweet that's like, I can't believe
2: you like that game.
1: <laughs> I did like that game. I know. Um, um, but I, I think... I kind of agree that I'm hoping that it that this, this franchise finds new interesting things. There are a few tidbits of news that came out along with the trailer uh, that there will be loyalty quests again, like there were in Mass Effect Two. Mass Effect Three didn't have those, uh, and these loyalty quests, which are quests to um, you know satisfy the members of your team and and kind of follow an individual member's storyline and then sort of you know get them very loyal to you. Uh, that you can accomplish those after you've completed the game as well. So that's
2: huh. cool. I'm um, curious if uh... – oh, sorry. I didn't mean to – go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. I'm curious but, uh, if... oh, yeah. yeah sorry. I, sorry. I was just, just going to say that the, the low missions are absolutely the best part of that franchise. So that's that's cool yeah. to hear. Yeah, for sure. I'm optim- – there are two things in the trailer I thought were cool. One was where you said, like, we're the aliens now. I like that idea of, um, you know, flipping this – Imperialistic, you know, space exploring society on its head, and like, oh no, we're in the wrong. I think that could be very interesting from a narrative perspective. But then I'm a little scared that they're maybe over investing in the Mako. Maybe not, but it's like they release the pre order bonuses, and you can get like the remote controlled one and stuff. And I'm 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 getting Arkham Knight flashbacks, <laughs> and I know we're early, but I feel like your messaging has to be pretty <laughs> pretty on point to like. Do I want this? Do I want more of this? What am I going to be doing? How much am I driving around on this thing? We'll see.
1: For me, I think the coolest part of the trailer was that giant alien thing that pops up in the desert, you know? And then I was like, whoa, that's cool. And then I thought, oh, wait, I don't want to do that in Mass Effect. I don't want to have a giant boss battle in the sand when I'm like running around between legs of a thing. I've done that so many times in games. Like, Mass Effect doesn't need to do that too. But I don't know. I don't mean to be cynical about it. I just felt like. Yeah, that looks. Aw- oh, wait, no. I'm I don't right. Do that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so I would. You guys have left me uh, with uh, with Blizzard talk for my uh, story of the week, which I am happy to do. Uh, I attended BlizzCon; it was awesome. I would say, uh, you know, lots of uh, game announcements that are pretty granular for people that are fans of those franchises. Uh, new Overwatch character um which we can talk about if you guys want to necromancer for diablo 3 two new uh we were, hots. We were
2: both wrong for our diablo predictions though canada we were we, we struck Although out Diablo big.
1: One is they you know is a level in Diablo 3 <laughs> kind <laughs> of a thing um a new uh, expansion for hearthstone a lot of details about how a world of warcraft is going to progress we don't have to get into the weeds and all that stuff but it's all uh, pretty cool but nothing earth shattering I think, for my money, the biggest news out of BlizzCon by far is this Overwatch League announcement. <clears throat> and the reason I think this is a big deal, uh, other than the fact that esports is, is you know growing rapidly, is that it, it seems like Blizzard looked at the NFL and said, Hey, they went, well, you know, what's, what's the most successful sports thing in the, on the planet? Oh, I mean, I guess in America that would be. Soccer probably globally, but in America, NFL rules the roost. So let's just take what they do and copy it. Note for note, it's, there is <clears throat> uh, a combine... Just like the NFL has, where, you, where players can go and test their skills and see if they're good enough to be professionals. There are salaries for players. And I think most interestingly, there is a series of regional teams so that, much like the NFL or really any professional sports league in America, uh, the teams are built around your geography. So if I'm in L.A., I'm going to have my L.A. team to root for. I think this is brilliant too often, I think uh, esports is just baffling because it's like, wh- what tie do I have to any of these teams? Okay, MVP Black and Fnatic and all the, you know, okay, fine, but what do I care about these people?
3: Totally, yeah, and and half of them are named after their sponsors and stuff. Like you're supposed right. to care about a brand of mouse pads or something. Like no, <laughs> like like the the regionality is is huge. I, I think that that's a very smart. Like th- this seems very smart, and it seems like something that could maybe like. Maybe minimize some of the kind of sleaze and business that esports looks like now. Hmm. Interesting. Um, when you when you look at it now, it's it's. And they've they've said like they want to maybe change some of the discussion to be a little bit less about prize pools. Like right now, it's it's like it feels like one step removed from gambling, where it's just like here's people that are in a house and they've got sponsors funding them and they're just playing this game nonstop, and then they're going to get out there and try and win money for their sponsors so that they can continue to live in this house and do this other stuff. Like it's this weird. <laughs>
1: it's like a poker tournament.
3: Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. It it feels a lot like poker uh, the, with the way it's been televised a lot of the times too. It feels like it's the the natural follow on from the poker boom uh when when that was just all over television and stuff like that so approaching it from this perspective you know you hear stories about players getting taken advantage of and and even bad contracts like if they've got salaries and minimums and all this other stuff for players like maybe it protects them maybe it makes this something that can kind of stand on its own and be more focused on the game instead of like the drama around who didn't get paid and who's jumping from what team to what and and that sort of stuff
1: Right. Yeah, and it's interesting that they're not doing it with with Here's the Storm or their other games, and I think the reason that that is the case is that Overwatch is new, and they get to sort of invent this from the beginning. There aren't, there isn't an established structure that they have to retrofit. They can say, okay, we're just launching this, so let's figure out the best way to do it from nothing and build that up. I hope this kind of changes esports overall. Um, But it's interesting, you know, somebody pointed out to me that You know, Activision owns Blizzard, and Activision owns the MLG, and this has nothing to do with the MLG. It kind of seems a little odd that they're like, yeah, we'll just do our own thing.
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think, you know, if you want to make changes to to the way esports is perceived and handled and stuff like that, you do have to operate outside that system. Because I think stuff like MLG, you know, they're used to operating in a very... MLG-like way, right? So if you want to have something that, that really does feel different from what Riot's doing and, and and what a lot of the other games out there have done, uh, then yeah,
1: you, the last thing you want is those people <laughs> coming yeah. in and, and calling your shots. I think the uh, the Combine thing is pretty cool as well. And I think it's going to show... It'll be interesting to see you know, what, what the actual skills that you have to have or what, what that consists of, but I think it's actually going to show people... How far removed from professional skill level they are, you know. It's like I can do it, and then I go there, and it's like, ooh, these guys are really good. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's that's a really neat idea.
1: <laughs> Christian, are you excited about this? You're gonna root for your uh, local team?
2: I hope to. I I think it's a really interesting shakeup on the esports scene. I I see some potential perceived pitfalls to it. I think part of the beauty of gaming and the way some of these teams form and the way we're recording this podcast right now is we're all sitting, you know, probably in our underwear or, you know, whatever. Like, we're, we're wherever we are, we get together, and we're chatting now, and we're able to do this podcast. And esports and the way teams are formed are often that way, too, where you're playing Counter-Strike, and then you meet, you know, uh, Sarah, who's in Denver, and Mike, who's in New York. And you guys are the best of the best, and then you form your clan, and then you form your team, and then you squad up. And, like, the level of commitment, I think it requires something like salaries or something like that because – if you're going to move someone to LA or move someone to Austin or something like that to get together to make this team, I know a lot of these players are younger individuals, but that's you know that's a big commitment in a way that it ne- necessarily wasn't before. Where you live where you live, and then you maybe get together and you rent your house or you Airbnb your place or your sponsor puts you up in the you know real world reality t- TV uh, <laughs> eSport house, and then you go to the big tournament and then you kind of separate again. So I, I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's going to pan out uh, across esports because I think a lot of games too are just are, are more individual in nature than um, you have this team and this is your team. I don't know, like who's in charge of drafting these players? Are they going to be managers? I know esports teams have coaches and managers, so I'm I'm very excited about this. This is maybe a weird analogy, but it's one that works for me. I think it's like voting to legalize marijuana. Uh, Personally, I'm 100% on board with it, but I'm curious to see all the infrastructure changes changes that need to happen to then make that work. And I think this is kind of the same thing. I'm totally on board with this idea of regional-based teams, but I don't know if all the pieces are in place yet to support this the way it needs to be supported.
1: For me, the question mark is more having to do with – I think this is a great step in – Making esports accessible to people that didn't realize they loved it, you know? And I think the missing piece and the big question mark for me is how we watch Overwatch. Um, I mm-hmm. think, you know, certain games like MOBAs um, are much easier to digest because, much like football or, or basketball, you know, when you watch a football or basketball game on television, there's a sort of natural home base camera view. And yes, there's a lot of cutting into close-ups and going, you know, cutting around and seeing replays and all that stuff. But most of the time, you're watching it from a very fixed vantage point that is comfortable, that everybody understands. It's the same place in every game, and we go back there all the time. And MOBAs have that, but first-person shooters don't. You have to sort of switch between individual players' perspectives to kind of get it. And I think that last nut is the nut that needs to be cracked in order to make this really accessible to people who don't already play the game um and i I, maybe they don't care about people that don't already play the game maybe this is just about people who are already into it but i think the esport promise is to make it a spectator sport in the same way that you know i watch football but i don't play it um
3: yeah, I I definitely agree. Yeah, it, it's there is kind of a, a difficulty to just like okay, well, what are these guys like like fighting games? You know, you watch like Street Fighter on ESPN and stuff like that. Like you inherently understand, okay, these these life meters, these two characters are going to punch each other. <laughs> one will beat the other up. Right. And and yeah, and mobas have that that very sports like uh, look uh, that you could kind of get a sense of like okay, here's the midline, they're going to push into this territory. Like you can start to draw those sports analogies. And yeah, I, I think first person shooters have suffered. In an esports sense, because of the spectating experience, it's very hard to just get a sense of like, okay, does any of this actually matter? I think you know, with the the right HUD, you know, some of the stuff they've been doing with the HUD and Overwatch and and that sort of stuff, they can they can start to convey more. But I I think there's there's that element. But also, I think if you want like mainstream acceptance of any of this stuff, and even for existing esports, there is that idea of like, okay, what are the what are the human stories? Uh, uh, behind the 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 team, like like let's like who are these people? Why should I care about these individuals? And you know what what did they have to do to get here? What's the adversity they're they're beating? Like so many sports stories and these kind of heroic tales of of you know championship victories and stuff like that are very human and esports hasn't really tapped into that in an effective way. I, I feel like some of the street fighter stuff you get there a little bit occasionally, but sometimes it reads more like wrestling than it does actual sports. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's maybe the missing piece. Like, so the, the players are often hard to connect to and you know, I'll, I'll say it again. They need to start using their real names.
1: I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. I've said that a bunch of times as well. I, I think, you know, to that, to that end, Blizzard, Took steps uh, in that direction this BlizzCon as well by announcing that documentary that they did about Heroes of the Dorm. I think that that kind of programming, that kind of attention to, you know, the road to BlizzCon and all that stuff, I think is a is a great way to to create a narrative that people can understand and and latch onto and and yeah, make these ki- make these kids stars, make these kids uh, relatable, and yeah, and when you. I agree that when you talk about them in terms like, you know, nugget and uh, weasel teets and whatever, you know, it's like, that's... Give me five, you see...
2: five more names, Kanata. Yeah. Five more names, please. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, you got
3: me. You see, know. you see, you see their their name, and then before that is their like sponsor name and stuff like that. Like it just yeah. that stuff just gets in the way. It just it doesn't feel. It starts to feel artificial at some point, and and it it doesn't feel like authentic humanity anymore. I guess
2: I don't know. Well, anytime yeah, no, you lose the disc, I mean, anytime there's a step down, right? You you potentially lose people to follow along what's happening. And it's like you're interviewing, like, we're sitting here with Jason, who is, you know, plays on Leak Squad, who plays name as Killer7. Okay, Killer. I mean, Jay, it, I, you know, we were talking yesterday, Jeff, about the idea of, you know, a, a script that has two interchangeable names. And then sometimes a reader will be reading it and be like, oh, why are you calling this person? I, I think the example we had yesterday was kal And now they're calling them Superman. And someone that doesn't know the character is like what's what's happening and in esports that kind of disconnect happens all the time and it seems silly but it's important because we are dumb dumb animals
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh i don't want to i don't need to go off on a huge tangent here but i also think that there's going to be a massive revolution in esports when vr esports sort of become a thing because ha- having people do physical things is going to be so interesting. And yeah, it's cool cutting to these you know, inserts of these dudes sitting in front of a PC monitor, but they're literally not making expressions. So having somebody in a VR space moving around physically and doing things, I think is gonna, it's going to take it to another level as well.
3: Also, I think there's just a new level of competition that you get in VR when you start to think about, okay, you know, in, in Call of Duty right now, you pull the left trigger to raise up the gun and get ready to shoot. But what happens when you are actually physically raising up the gun and you can raise it as fast or as slow as you can? Right. You know, when your actual physical skills start to translate then it's no longer like okay well this takes this many frames this takes you know this is right. this is much recovery it's like no you're you're actually doing it uh i think if they get there with that stuff and and it i think that's going to take years that could be amazing
2: is, is I that i think it's amazing but i wonder if that is kind of uh i don't know quite another right word a disservice to esports because i feel like what we're saying is you know it would be make esports even better if they were just sports, could you imagine if? Okay, no. So, was, so, what if they were kidding. playing football though? Then I could, like... I could actually, I could actually sign up for that. That's, that's, <laughs> no, I, I'll, I'll stick with that one. Actually, yeah. This,
3: what if esports were actually like cool and better?
1: You know, <laughs> I think you're you're doing a disservice to the physicality of esports already. Like you're saying, well, well they're not physical, right? No, now. No, no. I was trying physical, to put words in like... your mouth. I'm not the one saying it needs <laughs> <Okay>. to be. <laughs>
3: Is bowling a sport? Yes or no? Let's get to the <laughs> what really matters here. Yeah. Next on... Could poker be on ESPN? What are we talking about
2: here? I'm Skip Bayless, and you're idiots. Let's move on. <laughs> right, yeah.
1: All right, guys. Uh, we have lots of games to talk about, so I want to get to those. But we do need to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Of course, you've heard me talk about Squarespace a lot because I've been using them for, man, a decade almost Uh, jeffcanada.com was built on Squarespace and is housed on Squarespace. I recommend Squarespace to family and friends, anybody that needs a website or any kind of online presence. It's the easiest way to do that. It's the quickest, simplest, and most reliable, and you make something beautiful, you make something unique and all your own, and you do it super easily. All you got to do is drag and drop things. It's a, what you see is what you get interface. So you're just physically manipulating all the stuff on the screen, making a website. Uh, and then, you know, and they don't even ask you for your credit card. You can, you can build the website, make it how you want to make it before they even ask you for your credit card. You can check tre- out, check out their service before you pay. There's not going to be anybody auto charging you. You just make it. And if you like it, then you can sign up and you go to squarespace.com slash DLC and we will give you a 10% discount. All you got to do is use the promo code Jeff me, which is J-E-F-F. S E N T M E. And this week it could be even Jeff Gersman sent you. I don't care. If Jeff sent me, all you got to use is Jeff sent me. Nobody knows which Jeff. I've
3: got a whole separate offer code for this thing, man. You don't want to go there.
1: (laughs) Um, I do want to read.
2: Other podcasts have other Squarespace (laughs) offer codes? I don't want to derail this, but. I've uh... never
1: heard Squarespace on any other podcast. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, I want to read an email that we got, too. Uh, Christopher uh, Halverson sent us an email saying that his wife, Jenny. Uh, He says, my wife, Jenny, uh, you guys would like her. She's a lifelong runner and recovering attorney. Is on the city council of our wonderful uh, first ring suburb of West St. Paul, Minnesota. She believes our town can be better and decided to run for mayor. And to help her get her message out, she chose Squarespace for her website. She was able to get a great page up in an afternoon that she could update on the fly, host video, and accept donations. It's pretty cool. She says, uh... And then uh, Christopher goes on to say, please stress how important local races are on this eve of the election. They can affect our day-to-day lives even more than the presidential. uh, Local officials have direct impact on the places we live, shop, and go to school. It is so important for people to get informed and not skip that part of the ballot. Couldn't agree more. I think that's awesome. And it's cool that Squarespace, uh, here's a real-life example of somebody that used the service and uh, it, it really helped them make something very quickly. She said, put it up in an afternoon And yeah, you could, they have a, um, a mobile app that you can update on the fly. It's so cool. So like I said, be sure to use our promo code Jeff sent me when you check out for 10% off and go to that URL squarespace.com/dLC and check it out yourself.
4: You play in this
1: All right, guys. Uh, here we are in the playlist. Um, this is a big week. We got these bam, bam, bam. Three big first-person shooters came out right in a row. Battlefield One, boom. Titanfall Two, bam. And now Call of Duty: Infinite Warfare. Uh, Jeff, I know you've been playing that game for review. I have, yeah. What are your What are your thoughts?
3: Uh, it is. It is maybe the most uh, ambitious and one of the best single-player campaigns they have ever put into a Call of Duty game. Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you remember how uh, Black Ops 2 had that kind of like slightly branching path stuff and, and some some stronghold missions and stuff like that where it kind of widened it out a little bit more than it had been in the past. It was really enticing, but then they kind of just went back to the old style of these very linear campaigns. This one, they basically have a hub and you take on side missions at will and, and earn perks for taking them on. And, you know, so there's all this like flight combat and stuff that you're doing that is actually totally optional. And and it's just it's, – it doesn't necessarily make it that much of a longer game, but it's just neat to feel like you have some kind of choices to make about what it is you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but generally, yeah, it's – you know, it, it, you're, you're in a jet dogfighting in space, and that stuff's fun. But then there's all these crazy moments that you never really thought, like, well, what would it be like if you were doing these Call of Duty things in space? So it's like, here I'm hiding behind a rock. With a sniper rifle getting ready to shoot people that are out working on this spaceship, it's like these really crazy moments of' just like i'm gonna boost over here and take these guys out. I've got a grappling hook, so I'm gonna like scorpion spear them over to me and break their necks and keep going and there's just there's a lot of neat stuff across the campaign, and the story is actually pretty well told like they, they it it's a grim war tale that by the end you're like, man, that some stuff went down in this game <laughs> it, it's it's i i it impressed me more than a, a campaign. A uh, Call of Duty campaign has in in a very long time.
1: Man, I've been hearing that from so many people, and this week I've been you know traveling and and unable to play it. Now I, I think I might have to get it.
2: Um, well, the thing is though, Kanata, and I think yeah. Jeff, I think you'll. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I will say yeah. this: it is one of the better currently post Modern Warfare one single player Call of Duty campaigns. But I think in this year of 2016, it might be the fourth best. Single player first person shooter experience, which is crazy. But this yeah, oh, year has that's, had that's, so many yeah. amazing games. That is that is probably
3: also true. Uh, and and not to you know like before you go and and look for a copy of the game, I'll say I think this is some of the worst multiplayer work they have done in a long time. Oh, uh, and why and is I've, that? Uh, so i so I I'm not a fan of Black Ops Three. I think that their movement stuff is uh, their kind of squirty boost jumps and. Uh, the the knee slide stuff, like the the momentum on wall runs, I think is uh, it just feels bad. I think that game is just, it feels very sluggish and and slow. Um, and so this game, for for once, they actually followed off of last year's game and just kept everything the same. It used to be like whatever studio was making the game put their own stamp on it. So you go like, oh well, we have dolphin dives this year and this year we don't, and you know like these these weird swings. This game just feels like they looked at last year 's game and said let 's make more of that uh, let 's try to build some loadout options that maybe cater to some people that liked advanced warfare and maybe some of the other games to give them some balance, but it doesn 't really go far enough in any one of those directions and then they 've got this game that 's based around you know some of this mobility you know wall runs and boost jumps and stuff like that and I feel like a lot of the maps are not built to really take advantage of that stuff as well as I would like. Uh, So it just, especially, and again, this is, you know, by virtue of of it having very strong competition as well. uh, It is definitely not the multiplayer shooter I would be playing this year.
1: Well, to that end, uh, in the chat here, Rocco Bro asked me to ask you how you would rank the three first-person shooters that just came out over the last three weeks. In what order do you put uh, Battlefield, Titanfall, and COD?
3: so uh i titanfall is definitely number one uh absolutely like like no question there uh it is the 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 best multiplayer shoot yeah it, it's a fantastic shooter um but like i i'm not a huge battlefield guy i liked battlefield four and three but then the crew i played with kind of moved on to other stuff so i without that like i feel kind of lost um, I started playing the campaign in Battlefield One. It just couldn't get into it, so I, I haven't, I haven't finished that, and I haven't played a ton of it. But it, it hasn't really grabbed me. But I feel like it has potential. Um, and and Call of Duty, I, I just the the campaign is really cool, uh, and I really did enjoy playing it. But I'm I'm not a fan of their zombies mode. I never have been, and I, I think it's just getting cornier every time they they put it back out. <laughs>
2: Wait a minute, you think this uh, year is the craziest one they've done? <laughs>
3: well, I you know their, their '80s theme and like, hey, we just put Hasselhoff in it. Please care about our game. Like you know, it's just weird. It's just weird look. Uh, and then I think the multiplayer is just is disappointing on its own. But then when you take its sluggishness and compare it to Titanfall's speed. Call of Duty just looks like it's just stuck in the mud, just molasses, just ugh. Um, so that, I'd, I'd probably rate them around there, but it, it's not that's not a pure one, two,
1: three. But I haven't played enough Battlefield to be able to say for sure. Christian, you've also been playing a little Infinite Warfare, right?
2: Yeah, I played a lot of the single player, very, very little multiplayer. Um... I echo jeff's uh sentiments. it is an, an, a very well made single player campaign. The Battlefield one campaign grabbed me more than than it did Jeff. I really liked the kind of the vignettes and and how it went about telling the story and also kind of just being a multiplayer tutorial like let's not kid ourselves yeah, you know it's like yeah. here's the flying level here's the tank level here's the heavy level, here's the scout level but I think Battlefield 1 did that very creatively instead of just saying, go, go get a heavy. <laughs> now you're going to learn being a heavy. Um, Call of Duty, the campaign, I think a lot of first-person shooters this year learned the lesson of keep it simple, stupid, and it is a very straightforward story. It's not, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but it, it 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 excels in its simplicity, and I think it allows you to connect to characters in a way that other Call of Duty games haven't where... You know, you die as this character, then you're this character, then your whole squad's dead, and now you're this character. But they died in a nuke, and now you're this character, and uh uh-oh, you were secretly this (laughs) character the whole time. And you're like, what? I don't know. Um, But my feeling when I was playing Call of Duty, and I'm super curious. uh, So spoiler for next week, I'm going to be doing a sit-down bonus content with one of the writers of Titanfall 2. So I'm excited to learn, like, the process that went into that narrative. And I'm curious what the process is for the design doc of A Call of Duty. Because I feel like when I'm playing the campaign the way it would be played on an E3 press stage, it is awesome. Everything clicks. The moments happen just right. But anytime I go out of that, that window, I feel like they're like, hey, you're not supposed to be here, and you die. Or there's early on an example where a big mech comes out with shields, and your teammates, your squad is like, oh, shield it up. We've got to find a way to flank him. And it's like this big chaotic thing, and I got killed very quickly the first time. I reloaded the second time. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to just to run past this. And I sprint past him, hoping I can get to that Call of Duty checkpoint and just kind of keep the level going. And the door doesn't open, but now I'm behind this big mech with the shield and my squad's like, oh my God, we're not going to make it out. We got to And I I walk up behind him and put my gun up and I'm like, oh, let's try a shotgun. Uh, and I'm like sitting there debating my, he never turns around. <laughs> and it's like, I just broke the scripting of the game. And so it's, when it works, it's awesome and it's great, but it's it's constantly telling you what to do because of that. Like the they all Battlefield, Call of Duty, and Titanfall handle this. How do we hold our player's hand in such a different way? Battlefield, it just gives you the arbitrary, hey dude, get back in the get get back in there. And you're like, but there's a house over here I want to look at. And they're like, You can't. <laughs> yeah, three got six seconds. Two, one, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna die. Uh Titanfall gives you like the holographic loadout, like, here's how you do it um and Call of Duty is literally everything and this has been since Call of Duty 2 I feel like I mean everything it's press X to do this go here constant marker talk to this person get your loadout do this thing do this thing do this thing and it's a really awesome Hogan's Alley meets Dragon's Lair and when you play it that way it's incredible but I had like four or five or I didn't mean to but I got outside of those things and I was like, oh, this isn't satisfying. But then on like the second to last level, you know, I'm pinned down. Everything is like it's hellscape around me. But I shoot some lights and I get a flank and I do the thing. And it was like the thing that you were supposed to do. But I was like, <laughs> this is amazing.
1: Right. Well, that's what it's always been, right, is the roller coaster ride. And, and you're, you know, right. it, I don't think it's on rails on rails, but you're still on the roller coaster ride. And if you just you know keep your hands and arms inside the coaster at all times you're going to have a blast
2: right but the problem is it, like, you're playing a video game you know so like you want to like i'm not trying to break like you go i want to do this flank and then it's like you can't <laughs> right. well i want to do this no you can't it's it's really weird i'm not sure how i feel on on that that dichotomy of game design of, of what does a call of duty need to have to be a call of duty and and how much hand holding do i want so for me personally this is my, of those three that you asked, Kanata, this is my least favorite. But it's still excellent. If that makes
1: sense. So I still gotta play it, is what you're saying. I still gotta get <laughs> you don't have to, but it's Because uh, we got Dishonored next week, it's just all, it's too much. It's all too much. It
3: is a weirdly amazing year for shooters. Like, who could have guessed that, that people would be talking about first-person shooters, both in their campaigns and in competitive. Like, like that's it's crazy. It's crazy.
1: I think we can all agree that having them come out three weeks in a row like this is not good for anybody but right they were no. from
2: three different companies it wasn't as no, like they one publisher different... released two of them
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know man it just bums me out because i feel like the game we all laud as being the top of the heap is the one that's probably going to sell the fewest and that sucks and i think it's it's really just a a quirk of release squ- schedule is the only reason that the game is not getting more attention
3: yeah, and, and you know, like I've seen people kind of hand wringing about the PC version of Titanfall specifically because they're looking at the player count and going, like, Okay, is there gonna be enough people playing this game in three months for me to buy it? And so you have people that are on the fence about buying it, not because they don't think it's a quality product, but because they're worried that it's not gonna have any longevity. And that's like a weird self fulfilling prophecy at the end of the day. And that's uh, that's that's a that's a weird one. I don't know how to solve that other than maybe put that game out in March.
1: Yeah, Do
2: you think yeah. that there any, they bear any of the blame, though, with Titanfall 1 kind of being meh? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I really like Titanfall 1, but it,
3: I guess it didn't have legs um, because it just didn't have enough stuff in it. That was, that was probably my problem with, with that game. Uh, well, but we... the core of it, I thought, was sound.
1: Oh, we got a really interesting email about this. I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up, but since we're kind of talking right into it, might as well. This was from Nate. He says, uh, hey, guys, big fan of the show. I was wondering if I could get your point of view on something. My friends and I were talking about Titanfall 2 and its lack of sales, and we all agreed that a lot, if not most of it, is due to the, uh, the release between Battlefield and Call of Duty. But I have another thought that my friends don't agree with. I contend that it may have been better off in the long run staying an Xbox exclusive. Now, before you think I'm crazy, let me finish. Titanfall ended selling over 10 million copies on Xbox and PC. Its release date was only months after Xbox One launched, so the install base was way smaller than it is now. But Microsoft really pushed it, and I think Xbox gamers really rallied around it. I think in addition to a poor release date, some Xbox gamers feel burned. Also, PlayStation gamers may feel ambivalent since they never played the first game. What do you guys think of that?
3: I, I think it's a relatively minor factor, if, if at all. I mean, you know, if you look at it overall, like, the, you know, there are a lot of PlayStation 4s out there. Like, they're marketing it to a certain extent. I, I, I've heard mixed things. Some people say they haven't seen anything on it at all. Some people see it everywhere. Uh, but, like, they bought out the front of the PlayStation Store with Titanfall stuff. Like, they're the game that got the, like, soda and chips double xp promotion stuff this year not battlefield not call of duty so you know like the game's name is getting out there uh, yeah I, I just i think to to go down that road you have to assume that microsoft would want to do that deal again and mm-hmm. and if they were faced with choices along those lines they would probably try to get ea to sign up for battlefield and not titanfall just because it's a bigger name
1: yeah interesting what do you any thoughts christian
2: it's it's tough. I mean, I know I put on the mark from marketing hat from time to time, and I, I think my gut sincerely would be you want this game to be available to the most people possible, and I think going multi-platform was the right move. I, I don't know if you see that um, PS4 players just kind of not caring about it because it wasn't on their console before. I think maybe you see that if you see like the timed exclusivity, the way Rise of the Tomb Raider was kind of – came. I could see PS4 players now being like, oh, a year-old game. Neat. But when they're dropping day and date in the holiday season, I think most people are gamers and are aware of the thing that was out before.
1: Uh, I've been playing a few other things. Uh, like I said, I uh, I went to the Unity uh, event uh, for the Unity engine. They, it's called Unite. Uh, shot saw a bunch of Unity games there. Uh, one of them that really impressed me is a game called A New The Distant Light. A new A N E W. Uh, it, it seems like everybody at this point is doing a Metroidvania. You know, Metroidvania is sort of the uh, the hipster genre de jour. Uh, but, you know, I dig Metroidvanias. And this one looks particularly cool. Uh, I had hands-on with it, played uh, through a whole level. It's still a ways off, but uh, the art style is really cool. It's made by just two guys, but mm. these guys have a, a pretty awesome pedigree. Um, been on some AAA games, a bunch of AAA games, in fact, and uh, it has a really, really distinct art style. It's, it's this sort of hand-drawn but very exaggerated kind of look, and um, it's a twin-stick control scheme, so you can aim in any direction, and you're moving through the world, you're, you're powering up, you know, you're playing a Metroidvania, you can go different directions, and things are blocked off to you until you get certain power-ups uh very conventional that way but one of the cool things that i saw in the demo that um they're emphasizing is that you'll be able to get these gigantic vehicles that you'll drive around and one of the things that i got to do at the end of the level is jump into this gigantic mech that's like the size of the entire screen and just trample through enemies and use this massive laser to blow things up uh really cool stuff the the level design was cool it it, they're Talking about influences from uh, Dark Souls, as, as far as making it, you know, challenging and and um, how the secrets are laid out in the level and all that stuff. Uh, it's something that I think you guys should really keep an eye out for. It's called A New The Distant Light.
3: It's a nice looking trailer. They have a trailer up on their website. It's uh yeah, yeah. really cool. It Looks cool really, looks, look, looks really right? cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and then the other thing I, I, you know I spent the weekend at Blizzcon and played all the games. Um, are you a overwatch guy, Jeff?
3: You know I, I had my time with it and and fell away and just haven't looked back. I, I enjoyed my time with it, but it didn't get its
1: hooks into me mm-hmm. uh, very deep. Uh, Christian, are you excited about Sombra? I know that you you love you some Overwatch.
2: I do love me some Overwatch. I was mostly excited for when new characters come out to watch the animated shorts because those things have all been excellent, and hers is no different. The character herself, I'm not sure if I will be good with her. Um, she seems kind of like um, a cousin to Tracer, who I am awful with. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> FPS, you know, PC skills aren't top tier, which is I, I like playing more of a support role where I can kind of hang back. and I don't need to be as precise with my, with my mouse. And it looks like Sombra might require some precision, but, uh, that short is incredible.
1: He's crazy, man. The, the, the like uh, stealth getting close, uh, walk up to a character that's using a defensive skill and then just hack it. And oh no, nope, guess what? You're not being defensive anymore. Hmm. Uh crazy stuff. Uh, I think that there's going to be some really interesting, you know, meta adjustments based on her because it's like, "Oh, all those things that you guys have been relying on, guess what? She can just undo them." It's it's pretty she's wild. She's got to
2: get close to do it. Yeah, and I'm right. curious how long. I guess it's someone in the chat, uh Springfart. <laughs> cool. <laughs> nice chat. Uh, all right. This came out in the the beta playtest, the PTR playlist. So maybe I'll give her a spin when we're done.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts, because I'm not, I'm kind of like you, Gershman, I'm i am not really uh, into Overwatch anymore, but I am into Heroes of the Storm, as listeners to the show know, uh, and so I was pretty thrilled to see the two new heroes uh, they announced it at uh, BlizzCon, and I uh, got lots of hands-on time with that. Um, <laughs> First of all, the, the one-character Varian is a multi-class hero, and you get to, so you get to choose whether he's going to be a DPS assassin type or a tanky warrior type by selecting talents, which hmm. is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out in practice because if you're drafting a team and somebody drafts a Varian, unless you're communicating to that person, you're not really sure what role they're going to select. So um, it can kind of throw things for a loop for your enemies because they're like, well, we're either facing, you know, uh, another assassin or another tank we don't know yeah i was but gonna say d-
3: does that have like a did will, as the character specs will that kind of change the look so you can kind of just tell from the silhouette like okay this character spec in this direction we know what to uh, like handle or? yes
1: it's really cool he's got this sword that splits into two swords so uh sort of like he-man back in the day Mm -hmm. so if he's uh if he's a tank spec he stays like a two-handed stance like big heavy and then he like will grab a shield and use a shield but if he goes the assassin if you pick an assassin um spec he will split his sword into two sort of small daggery swords and be you know a a roguey type you know slice and dicer
2: cool
3: Uh,
1: which is really a clever way of them doing that exact thing Uh, and then the other character that they showed off is ragnaros which, my god, the thing that I find so exciting about Heroes of the Storm is how much they're willing to push the envelope of what is acceptable in a MOBA and just sort of ask questions like, well, what if we just do this crazy weird thing? There's a lot of heroes in the game already like Abathur and uh, the um, uh, the Lost Vikings and Murky, these weird characters that have bizarre playstyles that just sort of break the game in odd fun ways. And Ragnaros is like that too. So Ragnaros is a character from World of Warcraft that was a raid boss, a massive, giant, end-of-the-game type character. And they wanted to bring that feeling into this MOBA, but they they struggled with how to create a gigantic character that is intimidating to a raid hmm. on a playing field where you have you know a bunch of equally balanced characters. So what they came up with is... He has. It's not even his ultimate ability. It's his trait. So you can trigger it every hundred seconds if you want. And what you can do in a MOBA, of course, you know, you have towers and your enemy has towers, and you're you're trying to destroy their keeps that are spawning these these um, you know um, cannon fodder uh, mobs uh, over and over. And you're trying to destroy those and get to their core, right? Well, with the trait of Ragnaros. Every hundred seconds you can take over one of those buildings, either your building or your enemy's building and he becomes giant and building size and more powerful for a short period of time. So he becomes the size of a building and could just swipe at heroes and attack people and he can protect your own building because now he is the building or huh. he can uh, you know attack your enemies by becoming their building. Uh, it's just wild. Crazy idea that I'm so excited! It's fun playing as him. I played him uh, as him a bunch at at uh, BlizzCon. But when he comes out into the uh, populace of the game, it's going to be really cool to see how people use him and what weird team comps they come up Did with. Did
2: he feel and... OP? Did you have to be close to the tower to possess it, or could you be yeah. across the map and then you know channel yeah, it every second?
1: And you have to have damaged your enemies. Uh, keep or or. Um... A tower to take it over so you you can't just like waltz up and you know take a, a thing that's deep into their base you have to have actually progressed at that point you know naturally you have to have destroyed enough stuff in the way to get to that place but during the course of, you know, a push, if you're pushing a lane and you've, you know, gotten a kill on their team or something, all of a sudden Ragnaros takes over a building and it's like, we're here to stay. Let's all keep rocking. Is he, uh, is
2: really he cool. strong on his own or is he kind of like weak and you need an escort to take you up? You need like a heavy to get you up and in there. Can he just like bruise his way in and then take it over?
1: Well, he's a, he's an assassin. So he is, he is a low health pool, but mm. very high damage. So yeah, he, he's a little squishy, but he has some really crazy, uh, attacks he can drop this fireball that rolls like a bowling ball uh, in any direction, so you decide which direction it lands and how it rolls. His alts are crazy. He creates this massive flame wave that starts at the back of your base and just goes down an entire lane. So it's this gigantic lane-wide river of fire that's just pouring towards the enemy. Uh, it, the thing that they do so well at Blizzard, in all their games really, but you know particularly in Heroes, is... Each new hero that comes out feels like it broke the game it feels like oh this is op but then you find out oh they're really smart in how they balanced everything and no he's not super op but i feel when i'm playing him i feel extremely powerful and cool
3: and that's what you want right is every single character needs to feel like you're personally breaking the game you've figured out this secret and and you're able to to beat everybody because of it but uh, but everyone needs to feel that way
1: yeah, it's exactly, yeah. and I think Blizzard does that better than any company. Yeah. I really do feel like you know, in Diablo, in in WoW, and it always feels like, well, the the class that I chose is the one everybody should choose because look how awesome it is. And it's like, right. no, they're they're all like that.
2: <laughs> I feel the opposite in Overwatch, where I feel like that whoever anyone else is playing as feels more powerful than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what
1: about,
3: yeah. what, about uh, what about Blackthorn? Any news about Blackthorn coming to Heroes of the Storm? I know they've talked about it a little bit over the years, but.
1: Yeah, no, no news of that. Uh, Although it's crazy because the last two heroes that they announced, um, Samuro and Varian, uh, both of those characters they said were part of the original slate of characters that they started working on at the beginning of the Heroes of the Storm project when it wasn't even called Heroes of the Storm yet. So we're just seeing those characters released now, you know, like two years after the game's been playable. So who knows? You know, who knows what their their schedule is like, but... Um, It's a game I I just just love so much. And I will say, I will take just a a quick moment to say how much fun it was watching the Grand Finals uh, live at BlizzCon. Uh, The semis, actually, uh, was a match, I already name referenced both of them, between MVP Black and Fnatic. Uh, MVP Black came in as the heavy favorite. They just were dominating. Everybody thought that they were a foregone conclusion to win the whole tournament. And Fanatic is this, like, uh, European group of sort of underdogs, and they beat MVB Black in some of the most thrilling games of Heroes of the Storm I've ever watched. It was as exciting as any sports event. The the moves that they made, like, last second, there was one game where both cores were being attacked at the same time, and it was a race, and the whole crowd was going bananas. It was so much fun to watch. So... I highly recommend somebody you know check out check out esports. It's 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 just as fun as regular sports. Um, all right, guys, is there anything else uh, you wanted to bring up, uh, Christian? For no, names? Call of
2: Duty was my, uh, yeah. my focus this past week.
1: All right, cool. Well, let's move on now to uh, VR talk. But first, I want to thank our, our other sponsor, which is Mac Weldon. Uh, if you're like me, and you're in Los Angeles, and it's November it's 90 degrees outside you don't want to wear clothes uh, but you do need to wear your basics you need to wear the most comfortable stuff because it's gross it's sticky you don't want to smell bad guess what guys Mac Weldon has your back and by back I mean literally your back and probably your groin area they sell the stuff that you need underpants uh, t-shirts hoodies sweatpants and they do it in the easiest way possible. You don't like going to the store and picking out a bag of you know, 27 underpants and going to the checkout. Who has time for that? Who wants to do that? It's annoying, it's, it's boring, no. Do it online. Make it easy. It comes to your house in a really cool package. And it's premium, nice stuff. These are good fabrics. These are uh, antimicrobial, which means they don't stink. You can stay in them all day, and it's fine. They feel good. They're comfortable. I'm wearing some Mac Weldon underpants right now. Yesterday, Christian, uh, we were shooting um, a fun thing that you wrote.
2: We did some more and... weird
1: sketches, yeah. Yeah, we did. And uh, you commented on the fact that I had my, uh, my Mac Weldons with me. You're, That's what I do.
2: You're always on brand, you're always on message, Kannada. Never let it be said otherwise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I actually use them in my life, people. Uh, we're gonna help you out. Why don't you check out MacWeldon.com? Use our promo code DLC. You'll get twenty percent off your order. That's MacWeldon.com and the promo code DLC. Upgrade your basics. Get get good underpants and t-shirts and stuff. Check it out. MacWeldon.com, promo code DLC. All right guys, um, big week for VR for me, but uh, Jeff, I know that you you've had some issues with your PS VR yeah uh, I know a lot of people uh, <laughs> forwarded me your video of you guys uh, <laughs> having issues oh, yeah. with that um, Tell me about how, what the situation is now with, with regard to VR.
3: Uh, well, it's it's you know it's the vibe is the situation with the VR. That's where the action <laughs> is, right? Um, no, it's you know I, I PlayStation VR has some amazing software, but getting that stuff working has been so much of a hassle for us in, in multiple situations. And you know we're we're at a point now where we we had to break out the measuring tape and go like, okay, we want to be exactly five feet from this camera. Okay, we need to is, has has any dust collected on the camera? Okay, wipe it down. Let's wipe it down again just to make sure. Uh, And, you know, there are some glitches involving, like, when the the PS4 goes into rest mode and comes out, the tracking kind of breaks. Um, But we were aware of that and kind of went around that as well and, you know, kind of adjusting lighting. You know, I I can't find any setup uh, for the PlayStation VR that seems to work as well as I want it to. So uh, I played through Job Simulator um, and basically, I almost punched out my window because, it, you know, the game wants you to kind of stay, stay centered. It's, it's not really a game about walking around a room. It's a game about standing still and interacting with the things around you. Um, it can do room scale on a Vive. If you have it, it'll expand the room to, to kind of fill the space. But for PSVR, it's a, it's a standing experience. But it moved where the center was so far over to the left over the course of me playing it that I punched, I, I hit my window. And, and it was like, okay, well, this is crazy. Uh, and, and I have not touched
1: PSVR psvr sense uh it's, the, crazy, the craziest thing about psvr to me having as a person who has all three headsets is that no oh, that's the I've, craziest I, part jeff well that's <laughs> yeah cool. yeah <laughs> them all at the
3: same time if you yeah, can
1: very <laughs> um, and I've, i haven't brought this up before but it's a weird thing that it when you're not in the right position it asks you to move the camera like yeah. why, why why do i need to move the camera can't you adjust Based on, you know, it's if your feet aren't in the center of the room, oftentimes, because I have my PlayStation in my living room, and like most people, I have a coffee table in my living room, and I do not want to be the guy that moves my coffee table out of the way every time I want to get in VR. But oftentimes, the little footprint thing they want you to stand in is directly on top of my coffee table, and I, I'm annoyed. And I feel like the game, the software, should adjust to me rather than me having to walk across the room and move my camera. It's the weirdest thing. When you put it on and it's like, make sure your head is inside this box, and if it's not, move your camera. It's like, no. I don't want to move my camera, you move.
3: That sounds like connect all over again, yeah. you know? Uh, and and I th- I think PlayStation VR has a lot of potential and and hopefully, you know, they can hopefully they can get there with it. But, you know, the, that optical-based tracking with the camera is never going to be a Vive Lighthouse. It's never going to be right. one of these Oculus sensors and uh, I think that it's probably fine for a lot of people because uh, again, you you need to remember as someone who owns all three headsets. Most people don't. <laughs> so, True. PlayStation VR you know, is probably going to be pretty good for most people. But if you've, if you've spent a lot of time with all three, at some point you're like, man, I look, I really want to play more res. I I love playing res in VR. I think area X is incredible. I, I think it's amazing, but, uh, I'm just not going to put this stuff back on because even when I'm sitting still, the whole world is just shimmying back and forth. It's just at some point it's not worth it, and, and it's really unfortunate. And I, I would – you know, it's weird because we had seen it in demos and all this of stuff leading up to release, and it was, it was usually fine. Um, and now getting it at home, getting multiple homes and offices and different all, – all the other stuff. Believe me, we've had no shortage of people who think they're experts about telling us exactly what we're doing wrong <laughs> – when it comes to setting up a PlayStation VR headset. We've tried all that. It never worked right. So, you know, it's, it's really... It's disappointing. Um, and
2: Sony hasn't come out and really, at least the thing I've seen, and said anything about it. Like, your experience is not isolated. I mean, you guys almost did break the internet with your launch stream, right? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah. this is what you need to watch. They're going crazy. Someone's going to throw up on camera. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah,
3: it, but standing up and playing that Batman VR thing, like, the whole world started popping and moving around as it lost tracking. And, yeah, I... It That's was, the
1: Joker messing with you. Yeah, yeah.
3: It, it was...
2: It was. I. I that was the sickest I've ever felt in VR. and Which is because uh, mine has been flawless, but then I have a, my little brother and a couple of other friends on it, and, like, you know, like, one friend, it's, like, been, like, 80% okay, and then my other friend, it's been, you know, it seems, like, similar to your situation where it's, you know, borderline unplayable, and I just feel like, you know, you're a smart person. You do this for a living. If If I trust anyone to have gone through all the possible steps to troubleshoot it, it's you guys, and to think, like... Is it is it a software thing? Is are there differences in the trackers and Sony's? I think they said some tweet like acknowledging it and saying or saying like some, we know some people are having trouble, but like what the what causes this type of right and, varied and, experiences? And
3: what are you doing about it? Like like what's the 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 fact that they haven't really been out there kind of talking through the process of like okay, we've got a firmware update coming, or or there's there's new there's now there's headset firmware in addition to PS4 firmware, something that was like hey um. We're acknowledging that this issue exists, and here's what we're gonna do to make it better. Like like the lack of communication on that front. Maybe there's something I haven't seen, but uh, you know the the general lack of communication on that front has been uh, really crazy.
1: Well, let's talk about something that you are enjoying on the Vive uh, Rec Room, which yeah. is a pretty crazy. I love. My favorite thing about the Vive is all these works in progress that, yeah. that are available for that. So tell me about Rec Room.
3: Rec Room is, is maybe one of the better works in progress. I mean, the, you, you're you're hitting it head on. Like, the one of the best things about the Vive and one of the best things about VR in general is, like, these new things that are weird and the ideas aren't fully formed yet, but they're still fun. And it's this crazy time of being able to just kind of go into these things and see something completely new. Uh, Rec Room is a shared multiplayer environment, and they've built a Rec Room. And you can go in there and have a good time and throw darts around, and you can point video cameras at each other and make animated GIFs and and all this other weird... Yeah, but yes, then on top of that, they've got (laughs) games. You know, they've got actual, okay, let's go form up in a lobby and go play paintball. Let's go do this. Uh, Frisbee, you know, like like disc golf. And, And so they've just hit upon a lot of really novel interactions Uh, and I think we're at a a phase in VR where that is some of the coolest stuff because it's stuff that you might stumble onto on your own. So the first time I played Rec Room kind of going in cold, we we were recording it uh, and you know, you're just like hanging out in this shared space, just talking, just goofing around. It becomes like this weird improv thing almost, mm-hmm. uh, where people are just like goofing around, like, oh, I'm gonna go behind the counter and and you know, sell darts for a while, or you know, like like people are just like playing roles and just and just kind of getting into it and and having a good. Mostly clean time. <laughs> right. Um, but then, you know, you're just kind of teleporting around. You get up close to another player and you're like, oh, let's, oh, we, we have hands. What are we going to, let's high five? And you high five and a Steam achievement pops. And you're like, oh man, that's awesome that they thought of that. And then yeah. you think, oh, well, why don't we fist bump? And you fist bump and that's how you join a party to go play another game. Yeah. So yeah. it's like this thing you just like stumble onto and be like, "Oh man, that is so smart and so amazing!" Like this that is, little moment.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is a, a point of contention that Christian and I have had over multiple episodes because I keep telling him social in VR is endgame. This is that is being in a shared virtual space with another person and being able to interact with them. That's it and i think these kinds of experiences are proof of that because we these are baby steps toward where it's eventually going to be and it's already super fun. It's super fun to high-five someone or fist-bump them. It just is.
3: Yeah, yeah. or just like even the physics-y stuff that we take for granted now because, you know, games have been doing this since like Half-Life 2, but like, you know, it's like the bowling games where I can throw the bowling ball behind me, just like weird stuff like that. Like the uh, the pool game the that lets you just kind of walk around a pool hall and pick up jukeboxes and fling them around and, yeah. you know, like like that sort of stuff. Uh, then, then you make that social, it, it adds another layer to it that just makes it uh, it's it 's unmatched there's there's really nothing quite like that The thing I would say though is that I feel like this is all short lived i I worry that as soon as as soon as more headsets are out there, the internet is going to get all over it and it 's going to get its grubby Internet-y hands all over everything, and it 's just going to be the same kind of Messy, cursy, filthy cesspool that a lot of that that, that other social media is. Yeah, because the um,
2: Vive gave the internet hands. I hope you're right.
3: happy. The internet never <laughs> yeah. had hands before, right? And now, what are you gonna do with those hands? The worst possible <laughs> thing you can do with those hands. <laughs> um, so it's it, yeah. I guess that's that's the thing that people are gonna have to start thinking about. Is like, okay, well, wait. Now we're gonna suddenly need moderation tools. Now suddenly we're gonna need to, to find ways to you know keep people from being creepy and. You know, there's just a lot of stuff that I, I think is going to get in the way of the VR utopia, and hopefully people can figure it out. Developers, people smarter than me, will have to figure it out.
1: I didn't ever really think about that, but I think you make a very good point, sadly. But, you know, that's what friends lists are for, I guess. Totally. Um, Christian, do you want to tell us why we're wrong?
2: I mean, it, I think it is end game. Again, you know, I, I'm an owner of two headsets, I clearly believe in the tech, and. Um, I, I love showing the tech to new people, but I feel like the way it is right now, it's not—it's not that. It's not—that's not, not God tier. It's—it's a fun, dumb thing, and you're like, oh, I threw a jukebox. Oh, did it, but and then you're like, I'm not going to go back to playing Titanfall. Like, it's not the thing because you're not spending two hours in it. You're not spending four hours in it. It's not engaging enough. You get in there, like, oh, cool, look, here we are. What are we doing here? I don't know. We make a mess. Okay, now what do we do? Let's go play Heroes. Okay, cool. And then and then you get out of it. Like to me the next level thing is, you know, it's whatever. I don't want to talk about the advancements of the tech, like the lighter, the better headset or whatever. But to me, what makes VR next level is that solitary isolated experience where you're alone, you're in a thing and it takes you to a place and you have this incredible experience that is mind blowing. You don't need to worry about interacting with some other jerk who's, you're a nice person or whatever. It's the thing It's this experience that you alone have in this walled off world. This is with current VR tech and you leave and it's transformative when it works. And like Batman VR for me is that thing where I was like, I was in an alley in Gotham. This was incredible. I was Batman. I alone did this. This is a memory I will have forever. And I think that's where VR excels. Not my little well. brother and I high-fiving each other and then and throwing pool cues at each other, which we immediately did.
1: <laughs> well, uh, that is a great lead-in to uh, one of the games I've been playing this week in VR, and that is Abduction, uh, which is the game that's been out for a while uh, in, in non-VR form. Uh, this is a game made by... It was a, actually a Kickstarter game uh, from a couple years ago made by former uh, guys that worked on Mist and Riven. If you like those games, this is very much a spiritual successor to those games. Um, if you're young and don't know what mist and Riven are. They're like first-person perspective, puzzle games, very slow, very methodical. Um, just kind of being in an environment, figuring out puzzles, and progressing through that environment by putting things together and, and, and uh, unlocking doors and um, going to new places. Very slow, no action, uh, which works really, really well in VR. Uh, Abduction, I'm playing on Oculus. Uh, I bought it on Oculus and it is controlled with a controller. So, you know, I'm seated. I'm in that world. Uh, This game was designed for a non-VR functionality. So it's not, you know, built from the ground up for VR, but this VR version works really, really well. And man, you know, I loved those games uh, when I was young and this is a real cool throwback to that. They even use the same kind of um, live-action actors that they've sort of placed in the world in interesting ways, so it doesn't... It's not um, fully... Uh, what's the term? Um,
3: Cor- corporeal?
1: I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. it's, like... uh, it's Yeah, they, they are... It's like uh, projected images of yeah. real actors. So, like, you'll go up to a window... Uh, or a door that has a window on it right and you ring the doorbell and the guy will be behind the window and talking to you but it's a it's a like videoed human actor not a cg character but because it's behind a window it kind of all works in the scene really well uh and so it's a clever integration of, of live action video it's not you know fmv um and the puzzles are really clever and being there in VR is awesome because I'm like in this place and I'm looking around corners. I'm looking through windows and stuff. My only minor gripe, because I, I'm loving this and I, it's one of those games where like I can't wait to get back to it and try to figure something out. And one of those games where simply unlocking a door is like this massive exaltation feeling. You're like, I did, I unlocked a door. You know? <laughs> um, but my only minor gripe is that because it's not, it wasn't designed as a game for VR. It doesn't take advantage of the VR ness as much as I would like. So the solutions to the puzzle, unlike something like um, uh, Call of the Starseed on mm-hmm. Vive, which is all about using VR as a way to unlock, you know, puzzles where you have to like look underneath the the cabinet and there's the thing and you reach out and grab it and pull. In Abduction, there's never really any solution that relies on how i'm able to perceive the the world in vr and it it just feels a little like a, like a missed opportunity but really cool game anyway i'm i'm loving it
3: it almost seems like they could go back and make like another chapter of just like hey here's kind of the, the vr chapter where yeah. we kind of took some of those ideas and, and that sort totally. of- I've, I've been i've been waiting for because they it launched without vr support so i've been, been kind of waiting for that to to finally give it a shot i i'm, I'm that's high on my list
1: I've been loving it, and uh, it starts by default with the sort of most comfortable settings in place where you move around by teleporting to different nodes. Like, you'll, you know, look a direction, and there'll be a little highlighted area, and you push a button, and you, you know, teleport to that node, which was fine. But I was like, well, let me see if I can take the, you know, turn that off and just move around like a real first-person shooter. And I did, and I have been completely fine. And I'm somebody that usually gets nauseated pretty easily and i have been playing it with the smooth motion walking around like a regular first person shooter completely fine so i think that's whatever magic they're doing i i I think it's working which is cool um the other quickly the other uh oh let's christian why don't you tell me about your vr experience this week before i move on
2: oh it's just real quick i I ran my in-laws were in town for my oldest daughter's fourth birthday and so when i had girls down for napping i was like hey let's go do some vr and they were both super into it Um, I have more of those experiences on my Oculus than I do on my PlayStation VR, so I ran them both through. Um, They watched Lost, which is that kind of short film. It's slow, but I feel like a nice intro for someone that is maybe older and has never done VR before. Um, The Unreal 4 War demo, what's the name of that demo? Uh, Uh, Showdown? Yeah, yeah, Showdown, yeah. And then I let them kind of pick from there, and I had some do some, some live video. And uh, my father-in-law was, like, the classic guy. Like, during showdown, he's, like, reaching out for the stuff and, like, ducking and looking down. And his mouth is open. He's like, whoa! (laughs) It looks like he's, like – it looked like he was, like, honking boobs, you know, like in an Adam Sandler movie as he's, like, grabbing shrapnel coming at him. Very funny. My mother-in-law – was sitting like perfectly still and just kind of, I was like, no, you can look to the right. There's something over there. And she's like, I don't want to. And I'm like, it's not scary, I promise you. And she turns and it was like during a circus demo and she turns and she just goes, oh my God. <laughs> and like, it's not scary. It's just the scene continues, you know? Um, but the thing I found m- most interesting is I had my mother in law, who is not a gamer in any way, shape, or form, does not listen to this show. Um, probably doesn't respect me for <laughs> 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 for doing this show, um, and I'm like, oh, you want to do this? And she's like, oh, is this an Oculus? And I was like, blown. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, oh, is that is This is the guy from the guy who is like really racist or did those horrible things. And it's not that he supports Trump that I don't like. It was the way he went about and went about doing it. And I was like, what? <laughs> that made like mainstream. Texas, like, where did you hear about that? She's like, I don't know, must have been on NPR. And I was like, I don't want to get into that issue again, but it <laughs> blew my mind that my my sweet mother in law recognized the headset, and that's what she knew about it. Hmm. Wow! But she uh, loved what, the demos, so <laughs> well, that's good. That's
1: good. Uh, one other quick game I want to talk about in, for VR. Like I said, I was at the Unity event, and Unity as an engine is pushing VR in a big way. One of the cool things they showed was their uh, VR editor. Uh, which is is for game designers. It's, I mean, Unity Engine is a is a game design engine. And my God, guys, it, we're at the precipice of a complete revolution in how games are made. That what they showed somebody standing inside the Firewatch uh, level, you know, the the um, tower in Firewatch, and just opening up a palette on their hand and pulling an object and placing it in the world and manipulating things inside the vr environment and they're like well yeah this is how you could even make non-vr games we just stand inside the game and create it it's like well guess what you're not gonna have to be a programmer anymore to make games you'll just be an artist and you place things because you're standing there super cool stuff yeah um but one of the games that i i played there that was uh, d- demoing is a game that's about to hit psvr uh i think next week or early december something like that it's called i expect you to die really clever game you play as a, uh, um, like a James Bond type agent and you're on these missions where you basically learn by dying. You're, you're in a, you know, how James Bond is always strapped to a table and there's a laser coming at his nuts. And, you know, how is he? like, okay, well, now I leave. And then James Bond figures out a way out. It's that over and over. You're in a thing that's going to kill you uh, a variety of ways and you have to MacGyver your way out of it it's basically an escape room cool uh, digital and it's that's kind of what batman is in a lot of ways right on psvr um it works really re- well it's really clever the level i played i was in a car uh, in the back of a, a jumbo airliner that ha- you have to drive the car out of the out of the back of the plane but the car is a james bond car that's equipped with like sarin gas and, and uh, explosives and stuff and you have to dismantle everything and you die over and over again and you have to figure out the right sequence of doing stuff and uh it's 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 really w- well done clever has a good sense of humor as well so it's called i expect you to die
3: that's cool how, how quickly is the restart on it when you do mess up and die because that seems like that could be the make or break if this is just like here's this long load time yeah, it's uh,
1: it's pretty quick. Cool. Um, I was playing it, I think, on a PC on uh, Oculus. Hmm. Um, so I don't know about the PlayStation version. But right. um, the only downside, I think, is while they said that there are multiple solutions to every hazard that you encounter, basically what happens is you end up... like establishing a sequence that works and then you get up to the next point where you don't know what to do and you die and then you figure that out so each time you die you start at the beginning and you have to redo the sequence that got you there mm-hmm. so it's a little like okay well i know the first three steps but i don't know step four okay now i know the first four steps but i don't know step five and it ends up being it ends up being a little like groundhog day where it's like okay <laughs> you know i t- say hi to the guy uh, you know gust of wind <laughs> guy walks by now you know so, but they're brief enough, like the entire sequence is brief enough that it didn't really get on my nerves, but it's the only downside that I think is part of the you know idea behind it. All right guys uh, that's gonna do it for uh, this week let's uh, carve out a little bit of tabletop time right now, right now. Let's start tabletop time with an email. We got this from Justin Libby, sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. He says, hey guys, uh, DLC podcast keeps me warm on my cold bicycle commute here in Boston. I'm always on the lookout for easy to learn games to play with my non-gaming family members at Thanksgiving. We traditionally play a game after the meal, and every year I look for a new casual game to put into the rotation. This year I pick- stay awake. Stay away. Stay away. Stay (laughs) away. The tryptophan game. Um, (laughs) This year, I picked up a card game called Polemic from Garden Path Games. It is similar to Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity in that all you need to play is an opinion. Each player has a like and a dislike card, and every round, one player picks a random topic from a deck. Each player puts either their like or dislike card face down along with a guess of how many other players liked or disliked the topic.
2: Topic, you guess- my wife. Lay the cards down, guys.
1: Lay your card. She spends all day cooking for you. Wait, like? How much do
2: you like, my wife? How did uh, you put two likes down? What are you saying, Stan?
1: I like
3: is there? Can you have optional rules for just a card that's just like,
2: ah,
1: I mean... Yeah. <laughs> the math card, <laughs> MEH. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you guess the correct number of total likes across all players, you win a point that round. Play continues until someone reaches four points. Uh, I like polemic because it sparks conversations based on what people like or don't like. I got into a multi-day discussion of self-driving cars with my friend because of this game. After linking me uh, to many articles, he convinced me that self-driving cars will likely make traffic worse, not better in cities. Uh, so thanks for that, Justin. I have not heard of polemic, but it's a good uh, good suggestion for people that are looking for a cool sort of let's get into a fight with my family. Because
3: <laughs> yeah, people need a card game to get that fight going.
1: <laughs> right, right. Thanksgiving doesn't do that on its own. Yeah. Uh, It's an
2: election year. Come on.
1: Right. Uh, Christian, you have a you have any any tabletop stuff you've been playing
2: two quick hits my daughter i mentioned yeah she turned four so she's you know we're into those not not canada approved board games but people like getting her board games she had two new ones and i can recommend them both they're definitely for the younger set mermaid island which is basically cooperative candy land more or less where you know you, you can play with up to i think five people whatever it is but there are three mermaids you're trying to get them to the end if they land on a slide they get to advance but you, you all take turns spinning until so you're all moving together, and then there's a, on the spinner, there's like a sea witch who moves slowly. <laughs> it's the friendly board game version of um, Slenderman <laughs> 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 where the sea witch is trying to get you. So if you spin on unfor- you know, and then you have the, strat- the only strategy in it is you collect whistles, and the whistles move the sea witch back. And it was fun watching my in-laws and my wife play this with my four-year-old daughter. <laughs> and they, get in like, they got in like a couple mini debates about when to use the whistle, and I'm like, "What is this game for? Ages 35 and up? What are we? <laughs> what, <laughs> what are we doing over here?" But it was a hit. Uh, Estelle kept wanting to play it, and the other one is Brownie Match which is also – it's a younger set, but uh, people love that Zingo wreck. I still keep – I know.
1: Everybody loves when you talk about little kid games. Little
2: kid games. That's where it's at. And it's it's memory-esque, but it's like a real – you know looks like brownies, but it also has a a spinner in it. So you spin a three, and then you have to scoop over a brownie, see if you get a three. So it's teaching – it's edutainment, right? It's teaching numbers – and matching, so it's like a little more advanced than just remembering where things are. And then it also teaches losing because there's a miss a turn, steal a thing from someone else that is playing. So it, it teaches kids how to play nicely, which I think in this video game day and age and era, um, I'm all I'm, in a, I'm a fan of that. Imagine instead of maybe this is where VR. This is how you Jeff and Kanata can win me over with your VR high fives is the future. Because imagine in a world where after a, a, a kill in Halo instead of teabagging the person you killed, you high-fived your teammate. Like, imagine that world, where it's like you yeah. celebrate doing something in a nice way instead of shaming another person. Crazy. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be uh, and cool. Brownie Match kind of teaches that to a four-year-old. Not the teabagging part, just the other
1: part. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, do you play any uh, tabletop games?
2: No, you know, it, it's. I grew up an only child, so
3: no. Uh, and then just never really fell into it later on. Though brownie match sounds like it might be my speed. <laughs> yeah. Might have to give it a look. <laughs> uh,
1: something I wanted to bring up uh, for a few weeks now, but it, it's not technically a tabletop game, but it's certainly a, an experience that is analog that I think uh, is really cool. I, I kind of brought up escape room when we were talking about um, uh, I Expect You to Die, but I went to an actual escape room for the first time. I've been wanting to do this for literally years, and I just never made it happen. And a buddy had a... Uh, bachelor party and we went to and did an escape room here in los angeles at a place called escape room la and this was one that was like themed it's called the alchemist it was themed around you know medieval uh sword and sorcery like you're trying to get the the philosopher's stone Hmm. totally exceeded my expectations of what an escape room would be it was so much fun we didn't quite Finish it. If we had had like ten more minutes, because it's it's you know you have like a fifty minutes to get done. If we had like ten more minutes, I think we would have solved it. It was we were so close, but the puzzles were cool. We felt uh, it was one of those great things, kind of like a level in Portal or something, where when you first see it, you're like, I have no, this is impossible. There's no way, and then you keep at it, and you go, Oh my, we're geniuses! We figured it out. (laughs) So much fun. We did it with uh, it was eight of us in a room um there were cool like physical manipulations like you unlock um you know you solve a puzzle that unlocks a box that has another key in it that unlocks another thing that like drops this map from the ceiling so you're you know everything's being Physically changing around you, the 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 room itself is being affected by the cool stuff you're doing. There's, you know, you, we would like like blow into a uh, into a, a statue that like made these uh, bars drop that were preventing us from reaching this other object. So cool! Um, I highly recommend you guys trying escape rooms. I was the first time I'd done it and uh, i had a blast
2: really, they really did cool. a resident evil one i didn't do it but i heard it got rave reviews they did it here in la during You're still uh... doing it it's still going oh, it's still going yeah i yeah. heard it was awesome
1: i yeah i've uh i was interested in maybe checking that out too although i don't know about like a horror themed i'm not i don't know about
3: mm, that yeah like <laughs> you think about resident evil puzzles too it's just like well i'm going to put this statue here and then well i've got this shotgun i don't know we'll figure <laughs> it out right <laughs> right
1: Uh, All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have our parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. And also uh, some bonus content at the end of the show. I have interviews with the World of Warcraft team and the Heroes of the Storm team from BlizzCon. So definitely stay tuned for that as well. But Jeff Gerstmann, thank you so much for being with us.
3: Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Um, Tell people where they can keep up with your work on the internet.
3: Oh, we'll see. Uh, You can uh, find us over at giantbomb.com. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Gerstman. You can ask me questions at
1: jeff.zone. I'm I'm all over the place. Awesome. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week?
2: Well, first, I want to tell everyone at Giant Bomb and Giant Bomb East... um, Please never stop with uh, the URLs. I feel like you guys have faded away from some U- URL humor recently, and, <laughs> and I'm glad we got uh, your zone site uh, mentioned on this one. There was a time, maybe a year ago, you guys were in your wheelhouse with URL uh, jokes, and you need to bring it back, you guys. You need a better.
3: lot of those, a lot of those domains are expiring this week and next, so I know exactly <laughs>
2: what you're talking about. So I'm excited. Like, okay, good. Yeah, you're telling went, me I've will to registered to a lot of bad domains. And, yeah. <laughs> uh incredible uh it's the best um tuesday the 15th i'll be recording my second stand-up album in san diego atlas Stat. it's 3343 adams avenue free entry um all ages but the, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be cursing uh so you can come out to that and um and then i do a parenting podcast called department of parenting you can find that at departmentofparenting.com for all of those links it's like a short humorous podcast stuff and then the easiest way to get a hold of me is twitter at Spicer, but I'm, I don't know if if one of those URLs expires, I might be jumping on something, so <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Kanata, what about you?
1: Well, I have other shows for you to check out as well, including the Slash Filmcast, if you want to hear me talking about movies. Big episode this week. We're talking about that Doctor Strange, which is so, so good. Uh, and we have an awesome guest. I think um, Mikey Newman is going to be with us, hanging out, talking about uh, Doctor Strange. So check that out at Slash Filmcast.com dot com and i also do a comedy science show with anthony carboni called we have concerns which you can find at we concerns dot com
2: oh man the chat started dropping some of those great uh <laughs> i oh,
1: don't yeah, know if they're, they're
2: all are... yours but i know some of them are <laughs> most
1: of them we can't say but we can't uh, we can't yeah. oh, <laughs> this, the,
2: the internet's a filthy see this is why i know that vr is gonna go bad
3: because
1: i've experienced this firsthand for years <laughs> filth uh, the grime yeah, yeah it's disgusting and I take part in all of it yeah <laughs> um, alright guys uh, let's uh, let's get to our parting gift
2: hey give us a suggestion of voice-
1: Jeff, uh, you got something to. This is a week where people are going to need something. We got, we got to give <laughs> right. them a recommendation. Uh, what do you got to help people get through their week?
3: So, I, you know, not to tip uh, the hand for, your, the, for, for film podcast time, but uh, I saw Doctor Strange uh, over the, the weekend and enjoyed it quite a bit.
1: Yeah, so, it's yeah. real good, right? Did you see it in uh, 3D or 2D?
3: 2D. Yeah. 2D. My wife's not a 3D movie. I, I, I wanted to see it in D-Box. Yeah. Uh, Moving seats. I'm a I'm a big D box fan. So, but but no, uh, it's there's some just great effects. Like I'm not a huge comic book guy. You know my my knowledge of Doctor Strange is limited to just like well, what wormed its way into the video games over the years. Um, so but but it's a cool origin story. Like I I, the effects I thought were killer. uh, It was it was a good time.
1: Agreed, and it I think the perfect antidote to uh, a a stressful week for for many people. Yeah, Uh, Christian, how about you? You got a uh... You got a parting gift?
2: Yeah, I hope this isn't controversial with people. Um, I would just get a flu shot, man. It's 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 that time. It does sound
1: fun. It
2: Well, just do it. You'll feel – and I know there's anecdotal – like, oh, I got one and then I got sick or it got me That's sick. not true. Um, I'm not going to put words directly in my wife's mouth, but my wife is a physician. She gets one every year. She recommends all of her patients get one every year. The hospital where she works – the entire staff and all the physicians there get one. I don't think that they would be getting one, and the hospital where she works would recommend all of its doctors get one if they thought that it would be getting them all sick. Like, no hospital's <laughs> like, how can we get rid of our entire workforce for <laughs> November, December, and January? That's just what they want you to think, man.
3: That's when the government puts the tracking chip in. You need to th- look. I've got some pamphlets I want you to read. They're going to tell you about this flu shot
2: thing. Yeah, what I does will, flu stand
3: for? Yeah, exactly. I
2: yeah. will read them. Uh, I will not guarantee you. You won't get sick. There are many different strains of the flu, but it's easy. It's cheap. Oftentimes free, depending on you know your healthcare provider. If not, you can go to find your pharmacy. Whatever, get a flu shot. A little soreness in your arm, and I think you'll be thankful later.
1: So, usually this is the part of the show where I give you something fun or interesting or cool to do, uh, but hey, it, it, let's get serious. It's time to vote, and I know I've been talking about it for a long time at the top of the show. I just want to leave you a little motivated. We we have to do this. It's, uh, it's really important, and I think the demographic of gamers uh, too often feel like voting isn't for them, feel like politics is boring or uninteresting and doesn't really matter. It matters. You got, and I think participation leads to more participation. Being, giving a shit leads to more giving a shit. It's, it's good for all of us. It's good for you. You will feel good doing it. You will feel good participating. You will actually contribute to the world around you. It's, awesome. Maybe you feel like the big top of the ticket people are are bad. Okay, there's lots of other stuff to vote for. And really, they're not equally bad people. It's important to vote. It's important for gamers to vote. It's important for, for young people to feel like the government represents them. And that's what we all have a responsibility to do, is have our voice heard. It's not for nothing. It's not, it, it is going to matter. It is going to count. And I think uh, it would be so great if we ticked up the participation level this election cycle to have more people show up because that's really what life's about. Showing up. May participating. I
2: add, quickly, no matter who you're voting for on any issue or subject, if you are in line and someone tries to get you out of line, if you feel like someone is preventing you from voting and you want to vote, You have the right to vote. They cannot close the polling station if you are in line and there's a line of people there waiting to vote that get there before polls close. They cannot prevent you from walking up to a polling station. You can call the actual FBI, which maybe after this past three weeks you don't want to call the (laughs) FBI. (laughs) But this is your right. If you're a U.S. citizen, they cannot take it away from you. Go vote. And if you stand in line long enough, I guarantee you someone will bring free pizza. I don't guarantee it, but it happens almost all the time. And that's cool. Who doesn't want free pizza? Like Vote whatever, but like free pizza? Now you make me want to go get pizza and bring it to a polling place. Uh-huh. So I, uh-huh. I,
3: I voted weeks ago. What? How do I participate in Guess this what? week's events? <laughs> if you go vote,
1: Jeff Gerstmann will bring you pizza. We have, we will make that promise right <laughs> that's, here.
3: That's. I cannot. Well, okay, all right. Yeah. No. That's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna find a polling place.
1: <laughs> awesome.
3: And show up with some pizza. I can't guarantee it'll be good pizza because I have bad-tasted pizza. So but it'll be pizza. There's no such thing as bad pizza. That, you know, you should come to San Francisco sometime, and I'll tell you. I'll show you some bad pizza. That
1: does sound like a, a motivation for me to get to San Francisco. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. That's it for this episode. As I said, we do have bonus content coming up after that. But thanks to Jeff Gersman and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to everybody that was in the chat room. You guys make the show better by participating with us and hanging out on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, thanks to all of you that downloaded the show it, uh, it, it really is a special thing that you guys uh, listen. We appreciate it. Share it with your friends. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Now it is time for some bonus content, so buckle up. Here's my interviews from BlizzCon. I will let the team introduce themselves
0: right now. John Heights, Production Director for World of Warcraft.
5: I'm Chris Robinson, Art Director of World of Warcraft.
1: Guys, uh, first thing I want to start with is sort of the state of the game. I, I've been playing WoW since launch, off and on, uh, and I don't think I'm, I've ever had more fun than I'm having now. Awesome. I think the game has reached new heights, and I wonder how you guys feel about the player base, about how people have reacted to Legion in general.
5: Well, I mean, we're right there with you, I think. like, I've, I've never played as much as I, ha- I am right now um, on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, we always talk about how we develop the game, and you're kind of an island. And then we get the chance to kind of come to BlizzCon and see the, how you know the players are reacting and how they're taking in the the content and um, what their thoughts are. And so far, like you know, every time have every previous BlizzCon, there's been sort of like this undertone of like we like it, but and there's all this stuff, right? Yeah. This time it feels different. Like there's a, just a lot of kind of positive. There's no but. It's like we like this, and we like this, and we like this. Um, so I'm. I think you know we're really happy with how everything turned out from players, both being players and from you know developers' perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean we. I mean the glove is clear. You know, not just in the in the, in the great comments the players are making, but in the in the playing that they're doing. I mean, really. I mean we can't talk about exact numbers, but we certainly have a lot of people playing. Uh, a lot of people came back <laughs> even during the pre-patch and they continue to play, which is awesome to see. Um, I mean we basically try to hit every system in the game, and and you know make some evolution on it, make a revolution on it if we need to, and and I think it's paying off, you know, no matter what you like out of WoW, there's something new and fun in Legion to play.
1: Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, after Mists and around Draenor, there was this talk of like, well, maybe there'll be a WoW 2, maybe this is sort of the twilight of the game, and really no one's saying that anymore. It feels like the game is more vibrant, more exciting now than it's ever been, and you guys clearly are ramping up content releases. Um, We heard a lot about 7.2 yesterday. Is that a conscious choice to sort of make expansions less the thing and make content patch? Because 7.2 feels like an expansion level amount of content. Is that a conscious decision? It is certainly a
0: conscious decision to have more frequent content updates, uh, to have more significant content updates between uh, expansions. We are not backing off on expansions, I and mean, we were already—we actually have already started production on the next expansion. So uh, it's—they,
1: which they, is called—they typically have a long—I
0: uh, don't know—we're going to call it 8-0, something like that. Yeah, Eight O. Yeah, Edo. yeah. Edo. I like that. Yeah, we like—we like numbers.
5: <laughs> larval just, worm. Part of the larval worm. I think it's, <laughs> it has yeah. to
1: be an of that. There's yeah. all it's always an of. The <laughs> um, so seven point two. Uh, I'm thrilled about flying around on my owl because I'm a priest. I was jumping out of my skin seeing class mounts. Can you talk about some of the other stuff that we're, we're seeing in 7-2 up, upcoming? Why don't you talk about some of the stuff and I'll hit whatever you don't cover. Well, he already
5: hit the class mounts. so... That's got, it?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> that's massive. I mean, that's, that's huge. Can you talk a little bit about how, the skill challenge that's required to get those? Um, they're all out of your
0: order halls. There's obviously going to be a quest line associated with it. Each one is going to have a little bit unique flavor. Hopefully, you'll like the priest one because it fits, you know, the uh, your particular spec and the stuff you would have to do as a priest. Um, I can't talk about specifics honestly because I haven't actually gone through we're, gone through you know our own PTR to see hey you know how does my class play out. Yeah, um, Chris can tell you about all the mounts because
1: his team built them. I'm very jealous of the shaman mount. Yeah, it's amazing. My buddy's good. a shaman, and he was like,
2: "What? What? What? I get to write an elemental!" Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. No, I, th-
5: cool. I think that that selling that class fantasy was a big part of. I, you know, I would imagine why people feel maybe more connected to this expansion than they have the previous expansions. Is really if you take into consideration like artifact weapons and and order halls, and now like kind of capping it with like a, a class specific mm-hmm. mount. Um, it's sort of like the holistic picture of what it feels like to be that class, and so. For me when you see another mount and it's a class specific mount and it makes you go makes you jealous or makes you go like, oh I want to roll that class, it's actually really good timing with unlocking flying, you know, shortly thereafter as well because it kinda encourages that alt growth or yeah. you know, like rolling something else just because you're you're really stoked about what their kit looks like. So anytime that we can use art to really double down and sell the fantasy behind the game and kinda support lore and support design of that that marriage of those elements and, and having it be as successful as I feel like it has been this time is really gratifying.
1: Do you feel like the artifact grind is a, a counterproductive to that in any way about rolling it all? Because I feel like, for me, the amount of artifact power that I need to, to yeah. grind is kind of prevents me from you know splitting up my time investment. well
0: you should you should always be every opportunity you should be investing in the artifact research right. because what that does is that increases the amount of power you're going to get each time you go out and you know complete a world quest or you know uh, do a quest that, that grants you artifact power um, so you'll find over time that, that 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 cost or the time required to to build up the next spec or plant you know uh, um, like I, I essentially I have a, a dual spec I do tank and and DPS I had the same gripe in the first you know month I'm like what you know so <laughs> you know, really now it's it's coming pretty easily yeah. you know I get, I'm getting like 6,000 right. 9,000 artifact power I mean the Surmark quests especially if you haven't done that whole chain they're right. they're pretty generous in terms of artifact power I intentionally do that um, and we'll do that when we open up you asked earlier about 7.2 I don't know if you want me to please hit on some of that yeah. uh, but when we open up Broken Shore I mean that's Big zone. I mean, a lot of you know activity happening there. We're going to have a lot of artifact quests. We had a lot of, uh, or excuse me, a lot of uh, world quests, a lot of, a lot of the artifact quests. We had a lot of people excited about the demon invasions that we did in the pre-patch. Mm-hmm. Um, but because so many people actually joined us when Legion drop, they missed some of the right. demon invasions. So we're bringing those back. So those are going to actually be part of, you know, seven two drop. So you'll see. Maybe new locales, but right. uh, everyone will get to participate in that again uh, with new rewards and, and, and goodness. And we're going to use our world quest system to kind of indicate you know where this stuff's happening and guide you there. Tim um, Sargeras, big big raid, nine boss raid. It's going to it's visually stunning. He can tell you more about you know the look of it and the bosses in it. But trying to pull out all the stops, make sure the boss mechanics are you know over the top. Um, and, and, and literally over the top we have, right above it, in the cathedral, a dungeon. So it's set in the same you know, Tomb of Sargeras. And the dungeons are something that, you know, we think it's some of our best content. Uh, it's really a lot of fun to pull together, five you know, people and, you know, really experience, you know, your class playing with another one. And that, that choreography of Definitely. figuring out how to, how to defeat this boss, you know, laughing, crying, yeah, wiping. Killing. That's, that's the best part of WoW. I mean, so it's nothing like it. We're you know every one of these you know, major patches we're doing dungeons. Um, we're going to continue to do that. I think especially with the mythic you know, keystones, you can take you can, you can get some of the best gear in the game and, and never hit a raid. You yeah. know, Just by going through and doing you know keystone mythics.
1: Um, few things. Uh, what do you guys consider to be maybe something that that Legion does least well? What what is what are one of the things that bug you about? What Legion has brought to the game is there something that you're itching to fix or work on?
5: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think one of the challenges we face from a visual perspective every time, and Legion was was maybe worse than others, was or is the fact that um, to sell the fantasy behind a massive invasion, or um, I think we saw a little bit of it with say, like to use a previous example, Ice Crown, mm-hmm. and the end game being you know contained in this area that was very monochromatic and had a very set mood. I think as a player, you kind of get to the point where you just want to get out of that, but yeah. you feel stuck because there's not no new content, and you know you want you're kind of in that like in the space between where you're just kind of hanging in this one area. So for me, um, the problem that we faced with Fell was that it is the same kind of deal, right? Like it's very much a monochromatic color scheme. As you culminate to kind of now coming into seven two and some of the things you're experiencing in Tomb of Sargeras, it very much is about that same tonal theme, right? Right. Fell um,
1: versions of everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah pretty much. Um, so we try to like do a visual gra- gradation. So we you start kind of, you know, we don't, we don't give you the 100% kit right off the bat and then you're stuck it, with it all the way through. Um, certainly, Tomb of Sargeras in 7-2 is going to be the culmination where you'll see like the uber demons and everything that is kind of like the, the massive vision, but you've been in kind of fell for quite a while now. So we want to make sure that you don't feel like it's just that same theme over and over again. Having said that, and while it's always a challenge that we face and was, you know, to ask your question, sort of the one thing that was maybe we, we um, need to improve on and, and be more creative with, I think the, the fact that we're pushing more content out more regularly so there aren't those big gaps in between content helps to kind of mitigate some of the frustration that comes along with being stuck in one area. So yeah. ideally, you know, you'll get into seven you'll do the Tomb of Sargeras, you'll see all this cool stuff and kind of how it all wraps up that part of the storyline, and then you get into our next big major patch, it's not one of the .5 patches, where we're actually gonna to go to Argus, which is a totally different theme. I can't um, wait
6: to see what that's all about. Yeah, yeah.
5: So, so I guess that's it, you know, just kind of a the theme.
0: I think minor, 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 kind of minor, but uh, I think that we, this is the challenge of navigating, navigating your way through a 3D world is I think the maps aren't always great at telling you where things are. And sometimes that's fun. You know, it's like, yeah. where is this thing? I see right. this dot on the map and I know I'm right on top of it. We tried to give you a little indicators so you have an idea from an elevation standpoint, is it above or below you? Right. They're really subtle. You know, if you know what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, I wish you know, I could toggle off
1: the World Quest dots sometimes because I'm stuck underneath it or a flight point is stuck underneath it or something on the map. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little thing. No, you know, that's when, when you, I don't know if you noticed know, so when right. you go to
0: the, now when you go to the, uh, Flightmaster, you can actually zoom in the map. Yes,
1: yeah, huge. So that
0: Love helps. that. Yeah. and see world Quest on that too. is great. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think another thing that you know I want to see us put some effort into, and it's going to take a while, but I think just making sure that that uh, beginner experience and wow really draws them in. Mm. You know, I mean. Um, the game, as it's evolved over the last you know, dozen years, it's, it's, there's certain efficiencies for people that have played quite a bit right. um, that I think sometimes we take for granted, you know, people that are just absolutely brand new to the game. Yeah, it know? seems amazing that there and, would be people like that, but there, yeah, are. there are. Yeah, there are. We absolutely are. And, you know, some stuff we've really tried to watch their behavior, understand what's, you know, causing them, you know, confusion or whatever, and, and we're trying to, you know, make that part of the game. You know, easier to, to understand and, and get into, but I think we could
1: still get—we still have some work to be done there. One of my favorite things about Legion is how you guys leverage the entire World of Warcraft, and it's not just like, "Oh, I'm playing in the new expansion area exclusively." Are there more plans to do more of that?
5: Yeah, um, not nothing that we can kind of go like, "This is exactly what it is," but absolutely that's a lesson that we've learned that um, I think when we introduced the idea of being able to start with a high level character and at that expansion level was awesome because you're playing with your friends and you can kind of get right into it and that mission accomplished right but side effect is there's this whole world out there that you know you no longer kind of experience because you are just at the, at the newest content Yeah. Um, so no specific answer but yeah that's something that we're kind of we're continuing to think more and more about like how can we Give you insight into these areas that you may not know about. If you are a new player, you're experiencing new content. What are the you know tools that we can use to kind of get you out in the world? And something we'll continue to do. There's
1: some some nostalgia too. Oh, totally. I had literal sense memory going back to places I hadn't been in years of my life. I hadn't been to you know a virtual place. It was pretty cool. Um, My last question is about the app. I love the app. I think it's great. I worry at this point that I'm sort of at the end of its usefulness because I'm sort of eye-leveled beyond what is, is helpful. And I'm wondering if you guys have more plans for the app or if there's added uh, stuff that it could do that keep okay. me engaged. We're
0: going to make some refinements to it. But it's, it's really there to be you know, a tool to, to kind of help you see what quests are popping up. Um, you know, you probably are going to reach a point where you're not doing quite as much with, oh, I got to level my followers. Right. I'm, I'm yeah, they're all like in 50s. Yeah, so. But you're, you're going to use it as a tool to, to see when a new World Quest pops up, and oh, yeah, I definitely want to get that. Right. Um, we are going to be, in terms of artifacts, you know, we are going to add a fourth uh, ring right. on there, and uh, you'll have the ability to kind of progress and add points to those. So you're still going to be using that to find where can I find artifact power. We're going get you know the next
1: coolest relic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're it's a gonna, great you're way still to talking to order resources. Yeah. So
1: it's a great way to keep me engaged in the game when I'm away from it. And it's something I've wanted for a long, long time. I think yeah. it does it really, really well. So cool. kudos for that. Cool, yeah, thank you. Yeah, guys, I really appreciate this. The game's the game's awesome, and I'm back in it, and I can't believe it. That's, That's so, awesome. It's so cool. It's good well, to hear. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. your time. Yes, yeah. this, this is great. Thanks for talking. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. And the hits just keep on coming. More bonus content about my favorite game, Heroes of the Storm.
4: So, just uh, tell me your names and titles, please. All right, I'm John DeShazer. I'm the lead battleground designer at Heroes of the Storm. And I'm the one that mainly focuses on battlegrounds and also Heroes Brawl stuff.
6: Cool. Uh, My name is Claudio Gentilini, and I'm one of the uh, design producers working on Heroes.
1: I love your game, I love your game so much, I can't even begin to tell you how much I love your game. Nothing I don't think ever, I, I've been playing games my whole life, I don't think anything has gotten to me the way Heroes has gotten to me, so thank you, That's awesome. excellent, thank but you, I also, I, my family is mad at you. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to deal with that. Our, our families are mad at us too. <laughs> I so how is the game doing? How are How is the player base? How do you guys feel about the state of Here's the Storm right now? I
6: mean, it's super positive. Like, um, with the launch of Heroes Brawl and all of our esports league stuff coming next year, uh, and two giant new heroes released this year, like, the community's super positive. We're seeing just everything's going really well for us. I, I'm super excited for it. Yeah,
4: the same thing for me. I mean, honestly, we're seeing constant growth in. Our features and our, our community and, and also how we're uh, promoting the game with, like like Claudia said, our, the eSports League next year is going to be yeah, huge. It's so good. Um, and so we're really just kind of excited about how we're, the direction we're going right now. And th- let's talk a little bit about that eSports
1: League because uh, you guys are funding teams, right? Blizzard is funding teams, giving salaries to players. How will that change how the eSports community
4: grows? Go, go, go. okay. Well, one of the goals I know is to kind of create a more consistent a reliable experience for both our viewership and also our players, because they want a more like a reliable, uh, you know, means of income and, you know, matches and you know, kind of a, a nice schedule to uh, develop their life around, right? And then for viewers, it's really it's. We, while we've had a lot of great matches, we've had like over a hundred tournaments this year. It was always hard to know where they were, what, what to watch, yeah, when what are they, they going to? Yeah, what, and this way, you really have a really strong uh, schedule to follow. And go, oh. I know, I know to log in at this time to watch this match. This is my favorite team. You can start tracking your favorite players because the rosters will be a little more uh, steady. And the idea there is a, players will really kind of fall in love with certain teams, fall, certain players, and kind of you know, kind of just fall in love with the whole experience. And get those international
6: games in too. There will be scheduled international clashes and world clashes and stuff throughout the year, so those will be a lot more consistent and. Than- Really bring the regions head to head, so good competition.
1: A lot of the buzz from the show is, is about the Overwatch League, which was just announced. How much idea sharing is there between these two games, as far as the the
4: leagues? Um, I would imagine there's a lot, but I honestly, at least I'm not a part of any yeah. of that conversation. Oh, okay, that's it's, more Sam. Yeah, S- Sam Brakebite, who's our um, like product owner, basically
6: for like esports. Esports team is very um, integrated with each other. I'm sure that they're talking a lot. Um, I don't know how much hand in hand they were actually discussing. Like, obviously, there's probably key differences between the two. I can't speak to them, but um, their product is different than ours, and their sure. regions are inter- tied in differently. So, um, yeah. There's- well,
1: let's talk about stuff that you guys yeah, are experts on. I want to talk a little bit about Battlegrounds. I played sure. the new uh, Brawl uh, on yeah. the show floor, uh, which is really cool, asymmetrical map. Um, is that something that starts as a sort of general map and you go, no, 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 it's too crazy for ranked play. we got to just keep it as a brawl?
4: Well, the idea of asymmetrical gameplay in general is something that we constantly go, can we get away with this on the battleground? Is this, is this a fair experience since it's kind of a competitive game? People really want to have a good idea of, you know, when they're in a quick match experience or a hero league or a team league experience the certain draft implications of asymmetry and we weren't really comfortable with that in our standard game mode and so that's why we like Heroes Brawl so much because it really lets us stretch the nexus in different and kind of fun ways we we'll go oh you know what this is a great place where we put asymmetry because if it's you know, a couple percent imbalanced one way or the other who cares it's going to take a, it's only going to exist for a week or two when we were launching uh, Blackheart's Revenge it's actually going to be the first Brawl where we have it exist for two weeks instead mm-hmm. of one week and so we're, we're kind of we obviously want to keep it balanced as close as we, as we can get it but we're okay with a percent or two being off whereas in a competitive format that's actually really bad so we're really kind of it allows us to be more flexible and just have fun with our, I guess our ideas and asymmetry is something that we've really been dying to do and so it's one of those ideas we kept on like pitching and then we're like no I don't <laughs> think we can do it alright and then we, then we the, the next battleground would come around and go alright can we do it this time and we're like no the, pro- the problems are still there and so we we. And, a lot of Brawl ideas are actually kind of coming from that, where as we would develop Battleground ideas, we're like, oh, I don't think we could do that. Yeah. yeah, And we had to cut it, or we had to, you know, scrap it at the, like, the, the design, on uh, the design floor, we're like, you know what, that works as a Brawl now. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Let's go crazy. We have a great place to push that stuff Yeah, right.
1: <clears throat> Is there any, I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about the Brawl as sort of this test bed. Is <laughs> there a possibility of something moving from a Brawl to competitive modes. absolutely
4: um i mean i don't know if there's actually any specific brawls that have been out yet that i can i can go oh that's only been test. two right no, no. <laughs> today is actually the release of lost Cavern. right or actually yeah, sorry, yesterday, yesterday was and so that's the uh one lane experience but um and one lane experience is a good example we actually had a battleground for a while that was like was was just one lane and we had the whole map mechanic revol- revolved around it. we're like i just don't know if this feels very comfortable as a battleground, I don't know if this, our games really balanced that way or you know perfected that way. This will let us kind of go. Oh, the players like the one lane experience. Do can we add a map mechanic to a future one lane map and go? Maybe this can turn into a battleground. So maybe this is a good test bed for something like that. And so, I, I would always love to. Do it. I also think like map rewards are cool things to test. Like, mm. you know, the Punisher when he first came out in Infernal Shrines, there was a lot of commotion in the community. Oh, too strong, too weak. You know, right. there's there's a lot of uh, back and forth. That would have been a great thing to test in a brawl. And then go, okay, we could have dialed it in a little better before we released it live. Interesting. Um, While I have you guys here, and before I run out of time, I I, want to,
1: because I have you, I want to ask a very self-serving question. Sure. And I'm going to use very specific things, even though they might be a little embarrassing. Uh, I This season two, I placed Silver 3. Okay. I went, uh, I I played fine, whatever. I got to uh, my promo match for Silver 3. After my promo match for Silver 3, I went two and 18. Horrible, horrible, horrible run, string of bad luck. I was probably tilted, I probably contributed <laughs> to it, but horrible bad luck, went down to bronze. Uh, changed my strategy, played some new heroes, fought my way back, and I just uh, ranked up to silver two. Very proud of that, good. Yeah, that's thank long, you, long climb, long climb back. But the reason I bring this up is because every one of those matches that I won on my way back, I was getting a personal rank adjustment Negative fourteen points. Negative eight points. Negative twenty points. You know, killing me because the game thinks I'm that's a worse player want, yeah, that's than I than I think I am. Yeah. Right? It, it wants to hold me down, and I feel like I'm fighting against that on my way back up. I just want to talk to that because I think like feeling like the game is trying to hold me in a position. Like the fun of ranked right is is advancement. Yep. And to have the game sort of fighting against me feels like it's not fun. Sure. I think
6: Travis kind of talked to this a little bit yesterday sure. in his panel. Um, matchmaking in general is pretty tough. We've come, we've come a long way since we started with matchmaking. Um, personal rank adjustment is definitely one of the more hot, hot issues that we're talking about. Um, we talked about killing it. Um, I don't know that we've landed on that yet. Um, but there's a lot of complaints in the community, and we're definitely listening to them. I'm experiencing similar things, to what you're experiencing, <laughs> guys. so I'm in Chav's year, too. Um, but, there, yeah, it's, it's just the system divergence of, um, yeah, like you said, where the game thinks you are and then um, where your actual rank is based on maybe you had really good placement matches. And um, your uncertainty is is higher during that period, and your uncertainty being um, how much we move you one direction or another. Right. So if you win a lot, like at the beginning, uh, it can move your, your matchmaking rank, like, up. And then you'll place higher in your league. And then if you go on bad losing streaks, streaks are where things usually get a little bit dirty, just because the game's like, oh, I don't know, this is right. not, not performing well. We thought he was here, and he'll start dragging you down. And like I said, it feels bad, but we're definitely hearing the feedback, and we're, I, I, yeah, we're gonna look into addressing something. Yeah.
1: Good. <laughs> I feel good about it. Let's talk about the heroes that were announced here. Uh, Ragnaros is so fun. <laughs> Uh, and so is Varian they're both really yeah, fun right cool. away um, what are the challenges in a character like Ragnaros for stuff moving forward like or even looking back it's like well can this guy work with all the battlegrounds we already
4: have sure so like that's one of the things actually that was for uh, Blackheart Revenge like, people ask me oh we can't put Ragnaros on Blackheart Revenge right because Lava Wave doesn't work and I'm like well, the nice thing about brawl mode is we can just disable one of the rogues and just right. give him the sulfur smash. The sulfur smash obviously works. They're like, well, his trait doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, his well, trait doesn't work. Well, that's fine. Like, that's, I mean, with we have a lot <laughs> of these kind of weird, fun dynamics in brawls, and we're, I think we're allowed to have a little bit of characters having these weird moments where they something doesn't work. Um, but for regular battlegrounds, we actually the designers actually put a lot of thought into that. Yeah. We we're actually okay with the idea that Ragnaros sits on, hops onto. Uh, for it right before it starts getting shot in Sky Temple. That's one of the power mechanics, is there's mm-hmm. very few heroes in the game that literally will help fix a core or prevent it from taking damage. Mm-hmm. As Tastar can shield it, characters that have mule still, which is actually starting to dwindle, right. um, can repair it a little bit. Ragnaros can hop on front and take a couple shots. It still has a 90-second cooldown on the trait. It's still, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of like a very... Powerful ability, so to use it to just save your core, you better not get into a team fight right away. Like it, yeah. it, it can end up yeah. costing you. So we kind of love that dynamic that he can affect the battlefield in unique ways and impact our game in really fun dynamic ways. Because he is a raid boss. Him bringing something unique to the game is really cool, mm-hmm. and so we like that. Um, and I think we don't ever really want to shy away from it. I mean, if you look at Vikings, if you look at Chogall, if you look at Abathur, all of our really weird, wacky heroes, we love that they bring unique game styles to the game and we don't ever want to say no don't make that hero because it'll break all battlegrounds we're like no how do we make it so that he works with battlegrounds you know and adds a adds a positive spin to our game experience.
1: right um varian first multi-class hero uh what was is there concern at all about like a single single queue solo queue uh, environment where I, I don't know this rando just picked varian i don't know if he's going to be a tank or if he's going to be an assassin is there concern about sort of that just from a social
6: aspect? Yeah, I mean, we talked about that. Um, <clears throat> I forget how we have him classified right now. I think we have him classified as a warrior, so if you match make, <clears throat> I think it's it lots of in as a warrior right now. Um, you get that with a lot of different heroes. Like, you can build right. some heroes, one, like, especially, say, like, old Tassadar, right, where he could go lots of damage with Archon and other things. <clears throat> um, you could get kind of a similar experience there, so... I don't know. It, it's something we've talked about, but... It, it, something like that doesn't ultimately stop us. We have ways we can solve those, solve those problems. He just does a lot more stuff for Cure League and you know, eSports and stuff. Just is a draft buster that right. you're not really sure which way you're going to go. If they first pick him, like, okay, do we need to take now, a warrior right now? Right. Or they just pick a melee assassin? You just don't know. Uh, so he, I don't, he does a lot of really good things for us, and we can solve the other problems.
1: Are, is that something that we're going to see more of,
4: multi-class? definitely talking about him I mean, he's definitely our first experiment yeah and we'll see how, they, you know, yeah. community re- see how the community him. likes him if they, if they love it if they think it's a fun experience then i, I absolutely don't I absolutely see us doing it yeah and, uh, and
6: he's got a lot of different ways you can build him i don't think we have any idea what the community is going to do with him yet so we're going to have <laughs> to see there if we make mistakes we love making mistakes because we get to we have great opportunities to fix them and learn from them and that's yeah. something that we take a lot of pride in um and yeah i mean we have so many heroes that have the potential to be a multi-class hero that, yeah, the,
4: the possibilities are limitless for us. And that's honestly one of the things I'm so excited about working on this team with, is, is that this is one of the few te- dev teams I've got to work with that really love to iterate <clears throat> based off of community feedback. Yeah. Hmm. We iterate a lot internally before we ship, and we try to make it the best polished, you know, designed experience that we can give you, but when the, it hits, the, you know, the community, things always change, and yeah. they go, oh, wow, this is really strong, this is actually a lot we could have thought. And we love to listen and respond, and esports are great signing, um, you know, just kind of metrics in general, of like, oh, this hero's got you know, really low or really high, okay, we need to res- resolve it. And we also just would like to take like a look at talent and go, oh, not, while we're also fixing this hero from a, you know, a power standpoint, we also can fix it from, like, you know, a diversity standpoint, or, oh, these sub-talents are weak, sub-talents are strong, mm-hmm. and we always like to balance those out while also fixing the hero's uh, strength in general. And yeah. so... We definitely love getting as much feedback as possible, so as the community gives it to us, that gives us more fuel to give them a better experience.
1: I think that's one of the most fun things about the game is when I, an older character gets a yeah. talent rework, it's like, oh wow. It's like a, we got a new character yeah. almost. Yeah. We we're
6: like 19 since the last yeah. BlizzCon, so it's awesome. there's yeah. a ton. Like that, that's huge, yeah, just upgrades across the board.
1: Well, speaking of uh, feedback, I have two suggestions you guys can bring to the the team. Uh, One of the things I find in draft is uh, I will wear my master skin just as a sort of like, I got this guy, just trust me. It
6: plays a lot of this character.
1: Right? But that means all the fun skins that I've been been buying, I don't get to wear, right? What about uh, 2,000 gold and I can add a master modifier to... A skin that I a fun you know uh, uh, like vanity skin com,
6: like componentize it to like one of your skins already or something yeah or
1: I mean doesn't it, maybe a new uh, just a new palette yeah. swap that you can only get at level ten of that character
4: gotcha yeah yeah, yeah,
6: yeah Travis has talked about um, progression rewards I could see yeah all sorts of new things being slotted in there so like you said he wants to unlock progression completely right I like think that, that's so exciting so, it's like paragon levels of stuff that we could do so right. I, I think that we, in during that progression you you'll see stuff like this guy's like a level 50 thrall or whatever, right? Like, And you'll know that th- that, that guy's a good thrall. So <laughs> I think we're going to have stuff integrated like that.
1: Cool. Um, and then also I, I just want to put in a little uh, request for uh, a skin for Ragnaros where he's a genie.
6: Genie, <laughs> you know, coming
1: out
3: of the lamp, is yeah. blue, a little pretty Aladdin pretty, action. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah, good, yeah, right?
4: I, I like <laughs> that. It would, it would really fit the uh, Luxoria uh, title set. Yeah, sex, yeah right? it it would, too. Yes. Uh, yeah, tune yeah. was good Canadian, basis uh, for it. temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: We to have the Tassadar sort of Egyptian thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. fun. Well, thanks for talking to me, guys. Cool, I, as I like said, I love the game. I play it every day. So thanks a lot. Thanks very much. Appreciate it.